Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, the Sports Animals, on ESPN Honolulu. Monday, time to get at it with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, Chris Hart, Gary Dickman with you, Tanner Hayworth along uh, here too. And uh, let's start with three things you need to know heading on into the office today. Well, the UH Wahine are headed to Baton Rouge to play LSU in the National Women's Basketball Championship. Hawaii is a 14 seed this year. That's one better than last year. And LSU is a number three seed. Yeah, I think that's kind of significant, the fact that they are a 14 seed. They weren't the regular season champs in the Big West to maybe give them a better shot at a higher seed. But I think it's based on respect, also based on how they finished this season, really peaking at the right time. So I thought that was kind of a compliment for Hawaii and well-deserved. And uh, it won't be easy, though, on Friday against a 28-2 and team in LSU. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, the uh, whole uh, town was a buzz with the win from uh, Charlie Wade's uh, UH volleyball team. They uh, beat UCLA in four, and uh, their reward, they get to play Long Beach State this week. It is conference play already, and, yeah, you're starting off with probably the best opponent in conference in, in Long Beach State. But I think it just shows how good a team this is after you bounce back from that tough loss against Penn State on Saturday to come back and not only beat UCLA but beat them in four. Maybe facing adversity will help this team in the long run, as they did on Saturday and Sunday. All right, Friday and, and Saturday. the play-in rounds for the NCAA uh, men's tournament, March Madness, uh, starts tomorrow. We've got a couple of more play-in games on Wednesday. And the first round, all day long, March Madness is here Thursday, starting about 6 a.m. here on ESPN Honolulu. I know I don't have to say it, but I will Thursday and Friday. I know Bobby Kern and I are, are in agreement. Two best days in sports, 16 games a day, Thursday and Friday. The lead-up to this has been fantastic. The only thing missing is the University of Hawaii men's team in this field of 68, but still it should be an exciting tournament and the championship game coming up on April 3rd. It's going to be a fun few weeks. There you go. And, uh, again, looking at – Selection Sunday, always a great day as well. And not really too many surprises yesterday when you see the brackets unveiled. Uh, the four seeds that were the, the top four seeds for the number ones in all four regions, probably not a surprise. I, I don't like the fact that Kansas losing badly in the Big 12 championship does get that uh, – First, a number one seed after struggling a little bit, but it's also based on quad one win, a computer formula showing how many teams you beat in the top 50, and Kansas has a number of them. So no surprise, I guess, when you look at it that way. Alabama, number one seed with their controversial player, Brandon Miller. But now hopefully it'll be all about basketball. 
and uh, looking forward to a great tournament, as we always are. We'll have to pick the upsets because we know there'll be a lot of them on Thursday and Friday with those 16 games. So I haven't done my brackets officially yet, <laughs> but I will later on today and see who I have going all the way. Uh, should be a fun tournament, though it always is. And, again, just a little ups- little down that Hawaii's not in it. Uh, looks like Fullerton was going to go that route like they did last year and win it all. They do go to the championship game but lose to Santa Barbara on Saturday. I guess I'm glad that Santa Barbara didn't have two teams in the NCAA tournament because the Rainbow Wahine in dramatic fashion on Saturday. Talk about an exciting Big West tournament. Uh, fantastic the way they won that game on Saturday. In uh, dramatic fashion, the last second layup by Deja Phillips, that was a that was a game never to be forgotten with the way they came back from a 15-point halftime deficit and end up winning the Big West back-to-back year. That's something that hasn't happened in a long time, winning back-to-back conference tournaments. And they do it again, and uh, hopefully they can pull an upset this Friday. Yeah, when was the last time? 1990, I think I saw a stat, yeah. something like that. Um the, the what was the last play? You said she won it on a late. What? Well, Deja Phillips scored with about three point four seconds left. I think it was when she scored. The, remember, they were trailing with six point four seconds left. Uh, Tucker for Santa Barbara hit two free throws to wow. give Santa Barbara that lead of one point, and Man. that was not a good feeling at the time. You do get the ball to advance at midcourt in the right. women's game. You don't in the men after you time out. And one, yeah, and one thing I want to point out about that time, because I did talk to a few coaches afterwards, including associate head coach Alec Delenian. Uh they, they saw what Santa Barbara had on defense, and basically the call was, if we can't run our plays to get the gaps and get a gap where somebody will be open, call timeout, we'll change the play. Santa Barbara came out of that defense with 3.4. They saw it wasn't the defensive lineup that would favor Hawaii. They called another timeout. They came out of the timeout in a what? It was back-to-back timeouts. They came right. out of a timeout. Santa Barbara had the defense okay. did not bode well for Hawaii's first called play, so they call another timeout. Alex Delanian changes the play, and it worked to perfection to get Deja Phillips open for the layup and one and get that two-point lead. I actually didn't catch that game live. I was um, I, I was too busy looking for my golf ball in some bushes over at Olamana <laughs> all day. Anyway, did you find it yet? But, but I, um, I did go. I, you can catch a replay on ESPN Plus, and, and I enjoyed that. So that was when Deja was like crashed into the little uh, the, the foam. Uh, the stanchion. The, the, this, what? Stanchion? Stanchion, yes, they call it. Under the basket. Stanchion. Yes. Anyway, she crashed into the stanchion and she made big muscle body. I remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that being at the total end of the game. Wow. So we were behind. I know we were behind by 15 at the half, and even later on in the, I think in the fourth quarter, we were still down by 15 at times. Down by 10 um, going into the fourth. Right. But, I mean, it was going, it was, it didn't, I mean, we were playing hard. We had momentum going for us, which was crazy because all of a sudden now the Wahine, uh, uh, um, the uh, Santa Barbara is losing all this momentum. They were doing so well, and I was getting scared because a couple of players from Hawaii are getting in foul trouble. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Deja Phillips, I mean, she was awesome. I mean, Lily was, you know, her typical Lily. But uh, Deja Phillips was just, man, she was fired up. I, she almost, like, got a tech. Remember, she was yelling at the ref or something, and then Callan Spiller grabbed her and then mo- and, and t- took her face and moved her face so that she would not be facing the ref as she was uh, as she was uh, you know yelling whatever she was yelling I thought that was so cool I was like that is a sisterhood right there man that was that was cool that was cool Callan Spiller
I uh, I voted for Lily f- uh, for the MVP of the tournament, and Deja got the MVP, and I can understand why. I just think if you look at the f- whole three the f- the three games as a whole, uh, Lily was unbelievable, but still Deja was so clutch, not only on Saturday but in a few of the other games as well. And she likes coming off the bench, and what a player she has been, what a spark. And yeah, that was kind of scary in the fourth quarter. Now they Hawaii hit six threes in that fourth quarter. That was yeah. the key to getting back from down ten or twelve and getting into that lead late in the fourth yeah. quarter. Six of their ten uh, threes were in that fourth quarter. They were just draining. Who it didn't matter who was taking the shot. Imani Perez, anybody. I mean, they're just draining them. Yeah, that that was really nice to see. And both teams played well. And Santa Barbara's a good basketball team. We beat them last Saturday on Senior Day here, Senior Night. Uh, but they were a good team, and uh, you could see how frustr- uh, upset they were at the loss. But Hawaii just, again, the composure down the stretch. And I'm going to point out one other factor I thought was key. In the first quarter on Saturday, Laura Beeman, who will join us tomorrow on the show, they're traveling today, They um, she rested Lily where she normally would in the first quarter. It wasn't foul trouble, wasn't anything else, but I think she rested her to keep her fresh in the fourth quarter. And Lily still played a little over 35 minutes, but I think that – that substitution pattern early in the game really kind of helped set the tone for the finish on Saturday because nobody looked fatigued and nobody was really in foul trouble come that time. There were a few players maybe a little bit in foul trouble earlier, and Lily did end up with three fouls, but I thought that was smart to give her a few minutes off early in the game to keep her fresh for the ending of the game, and it worked out to perfection. Great coaching by Laura Beeman, Alex Delenian. That, that play at the end was a genius play, and again, it worked to perfection to get Deja Phillips open. What did Hawaii win something like 13 of their last 15 games in a row to finish off this season? Yeah, I know they were on 11-2 stretch at one point, so I guess it would be 13-2 come the tournament championship on Saturday. No, I think it was 15-2, and, and I think. Or, or, I'm sorry, yeah, 13-2, and 13-2, you're right. But I'm, I'm looking at the box score here, and I'm trying to find something here. University of Hawaii, so, yeah, Lily... I'm, Lily has nine, 20 points the, um, the day, I guess, the game before, but 19 points in this game. And Deja had 19. Right. But um, I'm trying to look at the three pointers. Yeah, Lily was three for three. Deja, four for six on three pointers. How's that? incredible shooting and they weren't forced shots there was good shot selection good passing to get players open and watching lily up close three games in a row i saw her a few times in person during the regular season she she we know she's special we know she's first team all big west i think she's going to go down as one of the better players to, to wear a hawaii uniform when all is said and done she is that uh, impressive on both sides of the court her leadership and still only a sophomore she is such a smart smart player and so talented that i think i think we're just kind of scratching the surface what we're going to see from her the next two years but she was great deja was great again it was just a really good tournament in that they did face some adversity faced a couple of games where they could have gone either way and uh for hawaii that didn't come in as a favorite remember they were the three seed this year uh boy did they do a great job overall in henderson well, there were a three seed, but Santa Barbara was a five seed. So you got to really commend Santa Barbara for going as far as they did in this tournament. Yeah, they they are a really good team. They were the two best teams remaining in the championship because Irvine got knocked out early on. They were the number one seed, the women and the men. And it came down to Saturday night a week and a half ago where Hawaii defeated Santa Barbara for that third seed. They were tied going into that game. So as a result, Hawaii did get Cal State Fullerton. All three wins were by seven, five, and two. These games were close. 
And again, for Hawaii to come back from behind on Saturday, I'll be honest, I wasn't very confident in that second half. I remember saying at halftime, uh, right before uh, Josh ended up with all the numbers and how bad Hawaii was shooting in the first half, that the big most important number I said was 20. 20 minutes left. They do have a lot of time left to get back in this game. But when you're down 15 at the half to a really good team, I, I wasn't very confident at the time and even in the fourth quarter. Just shows, yeah. again, how this team can hold their, hold their own, uh, get the composure didn't get rattled at all again and I think some of that was the experience in previous years especially last year with players like Kelsey Mai, Ashley Toms the way they played throughout just really steady players who got increased minutes with all the injured players a month or so ago and made the most of it yeah Kelsey Mai. well she only played Kelsey only played 23 minutes in that game as a starter um the really what turned around for Hawaii I mean Here's what it looked like from what you're describing, and I'm just looking purely at numbers here. In the second quarter, Hawaii shoots almost 27%. In the third quarter, 33%. And then in the fourth quarter, Hawaii shoots 64%. How are you going to stop that? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But, you know, the, the um, Lily Wahine Kapu, you know who she reminds me of? She reminds me of a girl, Maya Ostrowski, or somebody like that, right? It's um, she's undersized or she, maybe she just she's probably as tall as I am. <laughs> but on the basketball court, I mean, well, I'm a little over five, seven, I think nowadays <laughs> you hope. But she's listed at five, seven, which means maybe she's five, six. I, I don't know if the, the Wahine do the same trick that the uh, the the men's team does, but nobody's as tall as they say they are. Actually, nobody's as tall as they say they are in college basketball, period. In the NBA, it seems like they're not uh, they're not worried about that anymore. It's like they're true heights. But anyway, the uh, Lily goes. I mean, she's a smaller player. She shoots fifty percent uh, for the day, three of three field goals, and she's she's in the trees over there. I mean, the, her ball handling skills are are unbelievable. But the reason I bring up Lily is, yeah, she's great. We're going to miss Callen Spiller after the after the year. I believe everyone else is. Is everyone else coming back? Dave the only person back? Callen Spiller, uh, McKenna Hare. Oh, McKenna Hare, okay. But um, you got, look, Deja Phillips is special, and it was great for her to play and be the MVP in her hometown of Las Vegas. That's right. one thing. But you know what? I, I don't, because I don't know that much about basketball. I can't tell what I'm looking at most of the time. Imani Perez is somebody that the announcers on the mainland are, are uh, they're, they're gushing over Imani Perez and her talent and her potential. So that's what I'm stoked about is we've got, it's like she's like Morissette where um, it's, she, she's just a freshman and people are talking about her potential already. I mean, Imani Perez, when you talk about people being special, Lily's already there. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at Lily Wahide Kapu and say, okay, next couple of years, she's probably player of the year in the league. But Imani Perez, keep an eye on her. This is a young, young team still. And uh, I, I imagine we'll be towards the top or 
battling for championships at least for the next two years. Which is amazing when you think about last year they have Amy Atwell, great, great player, player of the year. They lose a player like that. You figure, think, you figure it would be a little bit tougher this year, and it was tougher this year. Now you have another Big West championship team. You're only losing two players. Now, again, they're key players, especially with Callen Spiller, but you still have a lot of players coming back. To do that two years in a row, that's right. pretty incredible. Yeah, the future still looks bright for Hawaii, and uh, the good thing is they still have a season. They still have part of their season left. And we know how tough it'll be on Friday, but to win the way they did, and I'm not sure if people could either hear Josh describe it or see it with Laura Beeman, her emotions after Saturday. I, she wasn't quite like that last year when they won. Um, she was having, uh, she was getting emotional with tears flowing. You could she tell how much e- it, she was getting emotional with tears flowing. Well, yeah, yeah. She was, she was really emotional this time more so than last year. And I think just the road they took to get to the spot where last year they were the favorite, this year they weren't, and to overcome a lot and get that championship, wow. And it was great to see her and the players uh, really, really show not so much relief but joy on Saturday after the final buzzer. That was fantastic. It was. I was almost getting emotional with tears flowing. Good. <laughs> Jim Leahy's uh, celebration of life was yesterday at St. Louis, and one of the things that I don't know if it was Artie or Pal Eldridge, uh, people who were uh, um, giving out, people who were, um, had memories of him, one of them brought up uh, his vocabulary. And uh, Jim Leahy right now is listening to the radio in heaven saying, she was emotional giving, what did you say? She was emotional with tears flowing. Yes. Okay. Anyway, we'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Somebody's angry because I said it's just a game. Oh, now I'm angry too. Don't be angry and you can be a little hungry. I am back. All right. Good morning. It's a 622 with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. It's going to be mostly sunny today. So that's a nice, nice day today on national. It's a great day, uh, great time to take a nap because today it's national napping day or workplace napping day today. I, I guess love a something good nap. to have to do with the, uh, something to have to do with the, um, the, uh, the what do you call it? The time difference? Daylight the time savings change. time. Daylight savings time. Thank you. Daylight savings time uh, is today. So remember, if you're dealing with people on the mainland, West Coast is three hours difference now. East Coast, six hours. Uh, that started yesterday. I don't understand why they still do that because nobody seems to enjoy it on the mainland that I talk Well, you lose about. an hour sleep. I didn't enjoy that either. What do you mean the deal? We're not, we're not supposed to be part of that part. Losing an hour's sleep, but by coming back yesterday, we did. The clock went from 1.59 a.m. to 2.59 a.m. It went from 1.59 to 3 a.m., and we just lost that hour there. So maybe that's why they don't like it on the mainland. In November, they'll gain an hour's sleep. Yeah, but maybe they could just go know that it's coming because it's on your calendar, and you can go to bed that day an hour earlier. There's a thought. Still, you're losing an hour. No matter how you slice <laughs> it up, you're losing an hour. Um, you know, it's just Hawaii and Arizona. We're the only ones that got it right. 
they're supposedly getting rid of it. I think this year could be the last year of it, uh, but I, I haven't seen if that's definite now. Maybe some people are I'm not protesting it but are against that. But it's supposed to have more daylight hours, maybe save power, energy, and all that good stuff. But it is a little confusing, especially in the first day here and in early November when they have it again. That's why they did it, to save power and energy? I think to have more daylight hours, yes. Yes. To save to say, to say whether it's fuel or, or gas, or I mean, not gas, but, but electricity and stuff like that, to have more daylight hours. Yeah. Wow, I never knew that. That's why they did it. Yeah. I thought it was like something for farming or something. <laughs> <laughs> Might be hand-in-hand hand with farming as well. But uh, yeah. Well, anyway, happy uh, National uh, Workplace Napping Day. Take a nap today. And you know what? If you get caught by your boss, you can tell him this, and this is true. It's scientifically proven that napping boosts productivity better than coffee or energy drinks so take a nap right now <laughs> no a lot of people are during the show but don't do it while you're driving happy yeah. birthday to coco golf tennis player is 19 years old wow. she first uh, came into our attention when she uh, upset venus williams back in 2019 she is the youngest ranked player in the top 100 by the wta so happy birthday coco golf michaela schifrin uh, is 28 today, of course, Olympic gold medalist skier. And uh, she just, uh, she won the uh, an Olympic at the age of gold at the Olympic, at the, <laughs> she won Olympic gold at the age of 18. And she just broke some kind of record just the other day, like the best skier of all time record. Lindsay Vaughn's, I think, all time win record. It was like at 83 or somewhere in the mid or low 80s. And I believe she broke that record recently. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Hey, Charlie Wade's going to be on the show. Also, Kai Lenny, uh, Hall of Fame waterman Kai Lenny, uh, will be on with us in the 7 o'clock hour. Rainbow uh, baseball coach Rich Hill. Now, when we talked about things you need to know uh, on the show today, of course, the, the great win by the Rainbow Wahine in the tournament, winning the tournament again. You got the volleyball team with a sold-out crowd at the Stan Sheriff Center beating UCLA in four uh, you know, we had some Rainbow Wahine softball and Rainbow baseball as well this past weekend. Yeah, and for baseball, but interesting when we talk with Rich Hill, I'm sure he's not too happy about yesterday's pitching where the team let up 16 walks and four, four batters were hit by a pitch in a nine-inning game. Uh, that is not supposed to happen. I mean, the, the bats seemingly were alive all weekend. Um, I think they did pretty good there. They scored eight eight and ten runs and they still have a game today against UConn and we we knew that UConn was going to be a good team coming in they were a regional team last year not ranked but still a good opponent uh but I didn't think they were the pitching would let up as many runs as they did but again the batting averages are pretty good so far so I guess there are some positives in that hoping to get a sweet uh split in today's series because uh, Big West play starts this upcoming weekend with Cal Poly so the non-conference part for the most part is about to end tonight yeah, yeah. He's, hey, you know what? If you're into runs, if you're into offense, head on over to the Les Murakami Stadium tonight uh, because you're going to see a lot of it. Now, I don't have – let's see, I have uh, the um, – yes, uh, on the – a couple of days ago, it was uh, UConn beating Hawaii 13-8. to uh, Let's see, the yesterday, UConn wins 18-10. to I don't have the other uh, game in front of me. Hawaii won the first game, so we're one and two. Looking to, uh, you know, looking to uh, split with UConn here at home. 
which I don't think would be too bad. But there's a lot of offense in these games. Yeah, I mean, the run production. The first game that they did win was 8-4, to four, so the pitching was obviously there. Uh, but, again, letting up – it's one thing to let up 18 runs. You don't want to do that, period. But in the fashion that they did it, you were, you were kind of making it real easy for UConn yesterday. You're putting 20 runners on base without a hit. And that, as Rich Hill said after the game, that's usually not going to bode well. I'm paraphrasing, but that was one of the keys for UConn tomorrow. I would imagine that's something he's going to really key on. I mean, it's one thing if they get a hit off you. Okay, you go with your best, they hit it. Okay, you can kind of live with that, but not that many walks in a nine-inning game. And it was shared. Basically, every pitcher contributed. Uh, with issuing up issuing a lot of walks in that game yesterday. So that's wow. something that got to shore up today. All right, so in the first game, who will be pitching for Hawaii? And, Chris, you're cutting in and out, so I didn't hear uh, something about the first game with Hawaii and UConn. In the first game, who is the winning pitcher for Hawaii? I'm looking at the box score, but I don't see it. Okay, we'll get that in just was a second. Was it ziegler Namo? That was the 8-4 win, and the winning pitcher on Friday was Alex Garou. He was 2-0. He came in in relief of Harry Guston. Oh. Garou. All right, cool. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, we got more baseball, and you can hear that if you're not going down uh, to the less. You can hear it on ESPN Honolulu. Softball team, uh, they have their own uh, tournament going on. Yeah, so they won the first few, first three games of that tournament. I uh, weren't able to close it out with some wins, but still, it's like Bob Coolen's team is doing pretty well and uh, pitching there again. I mean, Millie Fidge doing a great job all season, just a freshman, and uh, they're getting ready for conference play coming up as well. But I guess you have a winning record. You can't be too upset about that. But when you win the first three, you're probably hoping for a little bit more than three and two. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, they started out strong, but Hawaii sixteen and nine overall. I'd say that's a pretty, uh, pretty productive, uh, pretty productive uh, non-conference uh, win-loss record. Yeah, they closed it out with a loss with Iowa State on yesterday. Now this week, uh, they'll have one single game against Niagara, who is here for the tournament as well, and just they just game. won't leave. Yeah, a lot of teams want to stay here. I wonder why. Uh, look at the weather back here. And then again, it's conference play starting on Friday. They'll have Santa Barbara coming into the softball stadium. It'll be uh, a four game, uh, three games against them, four games against them, excuse me. But conference play is here both for baseball and softball starting this week. Okay. The uh, So Tuesday um, we are uh, playing Niagara, like you said. Friday it's Santa Barbara. So I guess this doesn't work like uh, <laughs> I guess it wouldn't work like basketball, you know, softball and baseball playing the same opponent every week. But uh, going back to the uh, the tournament, whatever this was called, the something tournament. What was this tournament? It was the called? um the Outrigger Rainbow Outrigger Wahine Rainbow Wahine Classic. Wahine Classic or Wahine Classic. Uh, Iowa State was a team to really look out for uh, coming into this, and uh, I mean that's a really good softball program. And we beat them the first time, five to two. We lost yesterday, five to four. But man, that would have been so cool to be able to sweep Iowa State because you did have a lot of St. Bonaventures and Niagara's in this preseason. It would have been a, a, a real signature, another signature win for them, at least in the off season. You know, getting one against a Power 5 school, I think, said something. Maybe all, all in all, these games are going to help their RPI if they do need that. Hopefully, they, if they need an at-large to get into the unsuitable tournament, hopefully they get the automatic. But some of the competition has been pretty tough, this non-conference schedule. And uh, hopefully it will get them yeah. very prepared for Big West play again starting this Friday. 
Well, yeah, and I'm not sure that the Big West gets more than uh, one team in the tournament. Uh, but you know what? At least we've got a uh, at least we've got a tournament this year, right? Was this being the first year for a, a Big West uh, tournament for baseball and softball, huh? Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's next year. It's not this year. Okay, thanks, Tanner. It's uh, six thirty-two with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu, and uh, attention golfers. You can sign up for the Cinco de Mayo Charity Golf Tournament, May 5th, at Kapolei Golf Course. Stay out of the rough. Four golfers are going to have a chance to win a million dollars. Plus, everyone will have a shot at winning a Ram truck. Now, if you want to enter or just get more details, visit givinghopehawaii.org. Giving Hope Hawaii is an organization that provides food and support for those in need on the windward side. Charlie Wade's going to join us in less than 30 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, we've got a good good, good list of uh, guests today. Uh, Rich Hill a little bit later on as the Rainbow Warriors uh, baseball uh, got one more matchup with UConn tonight at the stand. And uh, Hall of Fame waterman Kai Lenny is going to join us about 7.30, 7.35. So Kai Lenny has a – It's a, is it a um, – uh, is it a streaming show? It's a new episode uh, that we're going to talk about uh, called uh, Life of Kai. Are you familiar with this? I've read about it. I have not seen it yet, though. Yeah, I want to check that out. But anyway, we want everyone to, uh, uh, you know, watch it and and support Kai Lenny. But just a great, 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 great one of the great Hall of Fame type Watermans here. And really still such a young guy, too. But anyway, that's on the docket here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, March Madness upon us. It is officially March Madness season. And Gary? I, you know, yes, Chris. Uh, it started a few weeks ago, but now we finally have the unveiling of the 68 team. And again, I gave, I gave my point about some of the number one seeds. But every year you're going to have who is left out this year. It could have been a Rutgers or an Oregon, Oklahoma State. They're in the NIT. But this is going to happen regardless of how many teams are in. I don't think there was as much controversy yesterday with when, the, when the brackets came out as it might have been other years. One thing to note, if you're looking at the Big West, Santa Barbara came in with a uh, 14 seed, and they will get Baylor in the first round. And, you know, Santa Barbara was a very good team all season long. They had a stumble here and there like everybody in the Big West, but they finished strong and beat a Fullerton team by 10 on Saturday to win the Big West crowd. I'm still looking at who I'm going to have in the Final Four, and um, I think it's going to be an exciting tournament. It always is. And, again, just picking the upsets is the key. If you're going through your brackets, who do you think is going to be left standing after the first weekend? Gary has to go uh, take his headphones off and go make his dog stop barking, and he's back. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. He's out of here. Uh, I'm not sure if you did your bracket yet. Again, I'm going to do my official one a little later today to see who uh, might have left any. Now, one thing I look at, because I'm going to be at the Sweet 16 in the eastern region in a few weeks to see who the possibilities are. If it goes according to chalk, I would see number one Purdue against Tennessee. And the other matchup would be Marquette and Kansas State. 
normally those aren't names you would attribute or think that are going to go to the Sweet 16, but those teams are all having good years this year. Still, you got a Kentucky in that region. Therapy, there's been, I mean, Rick Pitino told it, said it to me. Other people have reported it lately that if Kentucky does not go far in this tournament, winning at least two games, uh, John Calipari might not be there next year which is kind of crazy in a way, but they haven't done well in March the last couple of years. So that might be yeah, something. Yeah, but, but he's he's not your favorite guy now anyway. Rick Patino seems to be like your favorite guy instead of John Calipari, so what do you care? Rick Patino has stolen your heart from John Calipari. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. And speaking of Rick Bettino and Iona, they have won, I believe it's 14 in a row now. They're 27-7. and seven. Yeah. Winning the Mac. They Jerry, will get Jerry, UConn. Jerry, 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 nobody cares about Iona basketball. Well, you brought him up, not me. But the reason <laughs> I bring them up because there's been talk that he's going to move on from yeah. Iona and could be a, a, a guy that St. John's really wants. There's talk that St. John's is going to make a big push for Rick Pitino. There's opening the Georgetown Notre Dame. A, they're making a big push, aren't they, already? Well, I don't think you can yet while the season's oh, still going on. But I don't think you can. It's yes. not like Rick Pitino to bend the rules a little, is it? How would he be bending the rules if they're making a push for him? Nice try. I'm saying if he's negotiating already with his agent. He, I doubt you if he's negotiating. You know that's going on. No. You know that there's talk going no. on. Stop no. it. Oh, no. He gave me a free T-shirt. Don't talk bad about him. Come on. I, you I know think... this stuff goes on. We talk about it all the time. We don't talk about a coach getting ready for the NCAA tournament and negotiating his next no, contract no, with agent, another school. Agent negotiating. You said Bettino and his agent is what you said. Well, Bettino's allowing him to do it. Come on. Come on. Hello. Hello. Do you watch sports at all? Do you see how no, it works? No, teach me about it. Here's what I'll teach you about sports. North Carolina, boo, thumbs down. <laughs> Are I you mean, say- yeah. North Carolina is, I mean, they're in the championship game last year, right? Yep. They're really good. And then, do they have a new coach this year? Or was it no. the guy He was here last year. Okay. Hubert so- Davis was in his first year last year. They were preseason number one this year. Yeah. And this is like the first time in like since 1956 or something the preseason number one favorite is not going to the tournament. You know why? Because maybe they're junk. But anyway, so, um, you know, if you don't make it to the NCAA tournament, if you're a big name team, uh, because like you say all the time, which is true, it's, it's all about money, the NIT. It's not necessarily the best teams. It's entertainment. So they get an invite to the NIT and North Carolina is like, uh, no, thanks. Uh, we're too good to go to the NIT. No, you know what? At last check, you're not too good to go to the NIT. In fact, with the way you guys played this year, maybe it would behoove you to have the act- actually extra practice time and everything else, else goes with playing in a postseason tournament. But they, sh- they said, no, thank you. Well, we need to just work on stuff. Boo! I don't boo them. I mean, you think the extra three or four days of practice is going to make them better for when, next year? I don't know. Well, you said it. What do you mean you don't Uh, know? Can't hurt. Can't hurt to work on stuff, right? What else are you going to do? You can't practice. It it won't help at all having the extra practice time. That wouldn't be the reason. If that happens, 
almost every year a power five school that had high hopes you might get invited to the NIT and then some schools will turn it down every now and then I can I'm not totally surprised I feel bad for the players that might have wanted to play maybe they took a team sure. vote uh, but that happens every now and then it's usually one or two teams that'll turn it down and with what they were usually one or two teams every year that turns down the NIT I would say about one or two at the, at the most and yeah there's probably a team or two every year if not every year every other yeah that happens Oh, wow. I remember one year Maryland wanted to turn it down because they were, you know, they were they weren't coming off a championship, but they were always good. Went to the NIT, and Gary Williams said, "No, we don't want to play in that." And the athletic director said, "You're playing in that," and good. that was one of the reasons good. why they didn't get along. Well, it's maybe one of the reasons he's not there anymore. That's not one of the reasons why he's not. That's one of the reasons and now the AD they're isn't good. There. What's that? The AD, uh, he he outlasted the AD. He wasn't too. They didn't get along. Oh, he but, outlasted the AD. Yeah. Okay, and that's one of his, that's, he, that was his one of his goals to outlast the AD. And once he was gone, while well, he retired <laughs> one of his a year goals? or two later, really, what kind of goal is that for a human being to have? I want to be here longer than that than my boss. <laughs> I, did, I accomplished my goal. He got fired. <laughs> well, it wasn't one of his priorities, but that was something that was, uh, yeah, that was that's true. He did. They did not get along, and he didn't want to leave before her, and he left after her. So those things happen. But for Carolina, getting back to that, yeah, I mean, it's the thing that they have. I I know at least three starters back from last year. They should have been better. And, you know, last year they weren't a great team either. They just peaked at the right time in March, uh, beating a Baylor team in the second round that kind of set the tone. Uh, then they beat UCLA, St. Peter's. But uh, last year was a little bit of a surprise. But again, they shouldn't have been ranked preseason number one. It was only based on last year's finish. And I, can, I know that happens, but they were not the best team necessarily going into November. And they showed it all season long. They just couldn't get over that, that hump of being a top-20 team once they dropped out. They were average, maybe a little above average, but not NCAA tournament worthy, that's for sure. All right, so the number one seeds, uh, you mentioned this earlier, number one seeds in the uh, tournament. By the way, coming up, uh, we're going to play our uh, bracket bash at ESPNHonolulu.com. They're working on it, I see, right now. it's The uh, the brackets are under construction <laughs> on our website, but uh, it'll be up soon. Uh, number one seeds, Alabama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas. If not for Kansas, this would be maybe not as a sexy uh, number one seeds as we've had in the past. Right, right. I mean, Houston's been really good for a while, but they're not a Power Five school yet. They will be in the Big Twelve next year. Uh, well, but- it's even if they're even if they're in the Big Twelve, Houston. This is not, you know, going back to Phi Slamma Jamma. We're not talking Houston when we're talking about blue bloods in basketball. No, no. But this year they certainly are. They just don't have the name. Right, well, uh, Sasser is one of the better players in the country. He'll probably sure. be first-team All-American. But, yeah, you're right. They're, they're not one of the name teams. They're not the Blue Bloods, but they have been a good basketball team. Alabama's never been this kind of a basketball team. They've been good before. You know, they had Robert Ory in those years, three first-round draft picks in the NBA back in the That's early 90s. That's in the 90s. 90s. Yeah, yeah, right. So, they, they obviously, they're a football school, not only to make the tournament, which is great, but to be a number one seed, I don't think anybody saw that coming. And with their controversy this year, uh, what we saw with Brandon Miller and Darius Miles, they, they've, they've overcome a lot of that. Now, on the court, and I've heard others say this as well, they, they could be, to many, the best team in the country, best team in the country with one of the mm. top five players in the country in Miller. So, I mean, even though they're not known for basketball as much, they are that good. 
To me, what I've seen of them, they're better than Kansas. Kansas, I'm not just sold on them. They've had too many big losses, like the mm-hmm. Texas and the Big 12 championship. And when they've lost, they've lost big, big time. Now, Bill Self wasn't with the team. He had some kind of an illness. Uh, yes. They didn't say if it was a heart attack, or which was speculated for the Big 12 tournament. He'll be back for the NCAA tournament this week, though. All right. Uh, Purdue, I, I love the player. I uh, don't, you know, sorry. I I have to admit, I, I haven't seen a Purdue basketball game this year. But there was a short documentary, I think, on SportsCenter on Matt, uh, excuse me, uh, Zach Eady. Now, he's a seven foot four player who averages 22 points a game and almost 13 rebounds, uh, 2.3 blocks a game. I mean, this guy is dominant. Is that going to translate? Is he one of those players that you've read about where they say, hey, this guy's going to be a star in the NBA or what? Not that he'll be a star, but he will be a first-round draft pick. I'm not sure about lottery yet. He's not listed as one of the top five really? or ten. Yeah, I mean, when you're wow. that tall and put up those numbers, you'll be good. But he's not He's not coming in like some of the other seven-footers where they're saying, okay, get in the Hall of Fame jacket already. Nothing like that. But he is that good. Oh, man. I mean, part of it yeah. is his size, but he does have a lot of talent. Yeah, I mean, the way he moves, because I was just watching, you know, in this little documentary thing, running up and down the floor. I mean, he, he moves like a 6'4 guy, not a 7'4 guy. You know, he's yeah. not a big lumbering guy. Uh, anyway, all right, uh, coming up, we'll take your uh, text and phone calls, 808-296-1420. Also, the Miami Dolphins have picked up the fifth-year option on Tua Tonga-Vailoa. What does that mean? We'll tell you about that coming up with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Call the coach with Charlie Wade coming up tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua. Hope you can join us for that. This is your official home for March Madness, exclusively on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, even though it is a March Madness season, it's always NFL season. And congratulations to Otonga Vailoa. I guess after uh, exhausting all of their <laughs> all of their efforts to try and get some kind of veteran quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, who am I missing? Uh, they've decided to give Tua Tonga-Vailoa, uh, they, they signed him for his fifth-year option. So he's going to make, like, next year something like $23 million. How's that? Nice. I think he deserves it. And now he's at least under contract for two more years with Miami. And that was a lot of the speculation this offseason. What's next for Tua? What's next for Miami? So at least we can stop talking about that part of it. He's their guy, at least for now. So that's a good thing for Miami and for Tua, obviously. Yeah. The uh, Miami Dolphins also made some great um, uh, great uh, move over the weekend, trading for Jalen Ramsey. Man. It didn't seem like it cost them that much. A third-round draft pick, and I forget the tight end's name for, that they gave up as well, but I would have thought it might have cost them a little bit more. That's, that's a little positive. In a way, it looks like they got a steal there. And Jalen Ramsey indicated that's the place he wanted to be as Miami. I think he said the same thing when he got traded to L.A. from Jacksonville a couple of years ago. <laughs> Whoever gets him is yeah. where he wants to be. But he won a Super Bowl there. I think it definitely bolstered Miami's defense, of course, for next year. That's a great pickup for them.
Man, it looks like uh, it looks like uh, the Rams are really uh, really want to start rebuilding because they're talking about you know trading Matthew Stafford and uh, this with Jalen Ramsey. I mean, is it just a cap space thing? I don't know. I saw something earlier, and I didn't get a chance to check if it was accurate, but it said that they're looking for maybe trading Cooper Cup as well. I can't be accurate, though, I would think. But I know the salaries that they give out, they gave out winning a Super Bowl is great. You win that Super Bowl, you gave up some draft picks and everything else to win now. Well, you won now, but now you have to face the financial aspects of this where you can't afford to keep everybody or keep them happy. So little by little, you're getting rid of some of the players on that team. And, you know, that yep. just, we saw that with Baltimore several years ago when they won their Super Bowl. They kept Joe Flacco, got rid of a lot of other players. So, you know, you understand that. Now, remember, today is the day uh, where you can actually negotiate legally, officially, for free agents in the NFL. So we're going to hear about players jumping ship today. It'll be official on Wednesday. Just like the trade for Jalen Ramsey to Miami will be official on Wednesday, even though it's totally unofficially official right now so but for free agents yeah we're going to start hearing a lot today and tomorrow about who's going where still i think it comes down to where um, aaron Rodgers is going to go or if he'll go anywhere before the quarterbacks start falling because there's going to be a domino right. effect there- once a rod makes up his mind yeah and there's a lot of uh there's a lot going on in the nfl over the weekend we can get into it later though because uh, the bears are you know traded their number one overall pick the panthers are first up i know uh, Tanner is uh, um, chomping at the bit to get in on that. And we'll, we'll do that coming up in a few minutes. Charlie Wade's going to join us in uh, nine minutes from now. Uh, thank you guys for texting in at 808-296-1420. Uh, this one says, uh, can either Coach Wade or Beeman be athletic director and still remain coaching their respective teams at the same time? That doesn't seem to happen anymore. It used to happen in high school. I'm not. It probably ha- it's happened in college uh, sports before. I don't know if there's anybody who has both titles nowadays, though. I think it happens a lot at the Division Two level. Mm, it doesn't yeah. happen on the Division One level, um, as uh, we saw. Coach V was the athletic director and basketball coach for a while at Hawaii Pacific. Uh, this one says, uh, "Congratulations to the Wahine." Same old for men, one and done. Do we need a new basketball coach? Are we? Is that still a thing? Are we still talking about that? Yes, fans are going to bring that up uh, because that's what happens when you go one and done. I understand that. I don't agree with it, but fans are going to still bring that up on until when? I don't. Maybe until they go to the finals again in the Big West, or maybe until next year. Mm, okay. It's too bad. All right. But that's uh, the way coming it is. up. Top three things you need to know going into work, and then Charlie Wade's going to join us in a few minutes on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Charlie Wade in a few minutes later on in the hour, Kai Lenny. On the show with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's going to be mostly sunny today. A nice day uh, for you. And uh, we'll check your traffic again coming up in a few minutes. But uh, three things you need to know. Heading on into work today, the Rainbow Wahine are headed to uh, Baton Rouge to play LSU in the NCAA tournament. 
That game is going to be on Friday, correct? It'll be on Friday. I, sometime, at some point today, the exact time will be released and announced, but it will be Friday, yes. I believe we got a time. I thought we were starting the broadcast at 1130. I'll double-check on the email uh, in a few minutes. But Hawaii, a 14-seed. Uh, LSU, a number three seed with a legendary basketball coach. Yeah, Kim, Kim Mulkey was from Baylor where they won a national championship. She was Brittany Griner's coach uh, back then. And I know the record is outstanding. I'm wondering why they're only a three seed at LSU when you're 28-2. and two, uh, Tough basketball conference, of course, in the SEC. The thing that stood out to me, though, Chris, is that Hawaii a 14 seed compared to last year's 15 seed. That's respect right there, showing where the team has overcome what they've accomplished this year. That's one of the things I looked for immediately when I saw the bracket. So congratulations on winning the Big West and being a higher seed than last year. One of my uh, favorite memories taking away that I'll take away from the Wahine's uh, Big West tournament run is uh, that they flew out the four injured players to join the team on that last day and surprise the team. That was uh, that was really cool of Laura Beeman to do. It really was, and we were on the same plane, Derek Lowe and I, as Lily's mother yesterday. She was coming back, and she did say that all four injured players are going to Baton Rouge as well. They're continuing. Maybe they're a good luck charm as well, but that was a really cool gesture to have those four there for the championship. Yeah, and they kept it a good secret because nobody, even Lily didn't know that her sister was coming. I thought that was kind of cool. I guess you don't, make it, you don't want to make it official until you win the game on Friday in the semifinal. But, yeah, and that's, you know, quick, not maneuvering, but quick, a logistical thing to get them out there in time for the game on Saturday. But that was, that was a really nice gesture. That, that was real classy. And I'm glad they're continuing No, but I ride. think it's, it's cool that the sister never told her that she was coming. That's what I just said. That was, a, that was kind of the cool part is how do you keep that secret? I thought that's absolutely fantastic. All right, uh, men's volleyball team. They win big in four over UCLA on Saturday, and their reward is they get to play Long Beach State this week. And it could be a tough Big West match, for as usual, when you're playing Long Beach State. But this past weekend, unbelievable atmosphere from what I saw and heard, and great victory on Saturday night against the top team in UCLA. Uh, let's see here. Also, the play-in rounds for the NCAA tournament uh, are happening tomorrow and Wednesday. First round of March Madness Thursday. The only place you can hear it is here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, the madness will continue, and it's going to be a fun tournament. Speaking of, I guess not madness, but uh, over the weekend we talked about Rainbow Warrior Volleyball, defending champs, having a great outing on Saturday after a really tough loss on Friday. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu to talk about what took place and what's about to take place, head coach Charlie Wade. Charlie, thanks for joining us. Nice turnaround after Friday night's match against Penn State to have the outcome you did against UCLA. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Friday, uh, just a little off. And then, you know, Saturday at our, our pregame practice, uh, the guys got emotional without tears. <laughs> and uh, and you can just tell they were pretty focused on uh, on putting out a better effort and, and clearly did that on uh, on Saturday. By facing, I don't know if adversity is the right word, but, you know, you've had things, for the most part, rather easy this year with a lot of sweeps. And this is the toughest competition with number two and number three, of course, coming in. But is there anything, is there any, are there any positives you can take out of the Penn State loss? Yeah, you know, I'm not one of those that, 
don't like losing. I don't think that, you know, it's like, did we need to lose? Yeah, I don't know, but we did. So, you know, you try to learn from it and move on. And uh, um, like I said, the guy showed up Saturday with, uh, you know, pretty high level of engagement and really focused and uh, put us in a good mindset going into the Saturday match. Charlie, what, you know, with, with, with uh, when we played Penn State, watching that game, it was, it was we were kind of like out of sorts a lot. It was like we were playing on our heels, if they'd say, if we were playing football. What, what was it about um, Penn State that was so rough on us, I guess? Were they rusty? Well, <laughs> um, well a couple things I'd say. One, like, they didn't serve in bounds much at all. Like, they yeah. missed a ton of serves. And when you're, when you're playing a team like that, like, you never get in any offensive rhythm, right? Because it's either a miss or... Uh, you're way off the net or they get an ace or something. So you never really get at one point, like we had 18 points and two kills. Yeah. So we never, you know, it, it was, it was just weird. I've never seen that. And, you know, our, our passing and again, when serves were in, they were just bombing and our, our, our passing wasn't great. And even some of the slow servers, you know, that are kind of just popping floaters, we were leaving off the net and we have to keep, you know, Jakob Kelly on the net so he can do Jakob Kelly kind of things. And he's just setting a high ball from the middle of the court. Um, that's pretty medium. And then our, you know, we don't have the big six nine hammer physical guys at the pins uh, like a lot of teams do. So we have to be able to play faster and isolate. And, um, you know, we were, like I said, just a little off. And, and they were playing great. We were getting one-on-ones. Uh-huh. And they would just stick an arm out and dig it and get it up, and it was, you know, it was, it was their night for sure. They played really good the entire time. Frankly, if they played like that, you know, they they would have been in the NCAA tournament last year, and they wouldn't have lost this year. So if they can maintain that going forward, they're they're going to be really really good. They missed eleven serves in the first set, and only missed yeah. eleven more the rest of the night. Man, that was crazy. That first set was just absolutely crazy. Charlie Wade with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Cole Hoagland uh, tried to uh, come back a little bit against UCLA, but had to leave. Is he doing okay? He's still sick? Yeah, we'll see how he is this week. He he actually he sat out the first night. He came back against Penn State, um, and then... Uh, oh, that's right. He went back in that, I think it was in the third set. He went back, he got an ace, and uh-huh. I looked at him, and he kind of had this look on his face, and when his turn ended, I'm like, are you all right? And he's like, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't feel good at all. And so I subbed him out, and then uh, he didn't play against UCLA at all. Uh, Kurt that's right. got out there, and uh, that's, a, that's a, a, a pretty difficult entry point for a freshman to get out there and play against a team like that, but... He held his own. He offensively was pretty good. He touched some mm-hmm. balls, and uh, actually he blocked a uh, match point. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, he, I've said that guy's uh, he's going to have a great career for us, and he's, he's going to be really good. He's been working hard and, uh, you know, been blocking balls every day at practice now for quite a while. So um, good to get him out there, especially at a, at a big-time match like that and see him perform. Yeah, Kurt Nurster is talking about it. And he, you know, he – I don't know if he fires up the team, but – you know, he. I know he fires up the crowd and he fires up people listening or watching on TV. I mean, that guy's a, that guy's a great energy when he comes when he's out there, isn't he? 
Yeah, no doubt. He's super into it. You know that. And then again, this is a guy that you know nobody really recruited and walk on guy, and just you know he's worked really hard and uh, that he he's he's going to be really good for us for a long time coming. Right on. You made this comment, I think, a year or two ago when we first heard it. It's not depth unless you use it. It's got to make you feel good that you're able to have guys step up. Uh, Sheward and uh, over this weekend, when guys when starters are out, that other guys can step in. And it's, I don't want to say you don't miss a beat, but you guys guys that can fill in and do a great job when needed. Yeah, well, you know, we got Philip out there for a little while. Chaz was struggling, scoring. Oh. Um, and Philip came in and gave us a little lift. He didn't do very well receiving, which actually is usually pretty steady. But, you know, I think he'll be in the mix going forward here. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, we're always trying to integrate those guys into the lineup. They play hard on the B side, but there's also a point where you, you get them in with the first group to see how they can contribute. So when you need to put them in the game, they're comfortable. They're not just always playing on the other side of the net. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the world of four-and-a-half scholarships, it's a difficult thing to do, <laughs> but um, we're able to get guys, uh, you know, talented guys that will walk on or come from for virtually no money and, and work hard and wait their time to to be able to play at a level and contribute to, to us, you know, playing at the highest level. Seems like every week the Big West Player of the Week is a Hawaii player. Well-deserved, of course. Uh, will it be Demetrius, do you feel, coming out, I guess, in a few hours, the Big West Player of the Week after he was named MVP, had a great tournament over the weekend? Yeah, I don't really don't pay much attention to that. And anytime anybody wins one of those, we don't even mention it. It doesn't even come up in at practice ever. Like it's Wow. Just, well, I, it's not anything that we, we talk about or pay attention to. When you win so that, many, I that guess what, that's understandable. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Business as usual. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up this week because now Big West play will start, and you start yeah. off with obviously a, t- a tough team in Long Beach State. At least it's at home this Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the Big West has been the best league in the country now since its existence, and, uh, you know, this year again, you know, playing Long Beach at the top, it's always a battle. We're always, you know, two top five teams. And, um, yeah, I mean, it starts a run for us in the league that yeah, actually probably more important than last week's games because those are non-conference. This is, um, this is in the league, and you're playing the same team back-to-back. And um, they got most everybody back from last year. Obviously, the – uh, the Bulgarian kid, Nikolov, moved on to play professionally, but they replaced him with uh, a transfer out of Ohio State who's been their best player, and um, <laughs> they're every bit as good as they were last year. Oh, that's not good to hear. All right. Hey, Charlie, we'll let you get on with your day. We thank you for the few minutes, and uh, congratulations on the win this weekend, uh, the couple of wins this weekend, and uh, go get them coming up this weekend. All right, guys. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you See you tomorrow. tomorrow. All right, there's uh, Charlie Wade. Yeah, see you tomorrow for Call the Coach with Charlie Wade, 6.30 at Ruby Tuesday. Thank you very much uh, for that. And let's see here. You know, the do we know what the rankings are? I was wondering about the national rankings. I, I didn't want to bring up Charlie because that's not something that he's going to care about uh, at this point in the season. But, you know, Hawaii goes, Hawaii, everybody beat um, uh, Purdue, Fort Wayne. So they came here and they leave 0-3. Not a bad volleyball team at all. You saw them. Well, you were on the mainland. But 
folks you saw him play it was a good volleyball team it's just that they were in the tournament with the number one two and three team in the country so then um uh penn state falls to ucla in five sets and then they lose to hawaii oh sorry then they beat hawaii okay they're one and one ucla beats penn state but loses to hawaii I mean, everyone's one and one. The top three teams are at one and one this weekend. So who's going to be number one in the country? Well, they all went two and one this weekend. Two and one, excuse me. But, I mean, against each other. Yeah. The top three yeah. against each other all went one and one. So who is the number one team in the country? Would it still be Hawaii? I would think so based on the fact that if all three lose to each other, why would you change it? And maybe I'm, of course, I'm a little biased there. We'll find out in a couple of hours. It should come out sometime this morning. Uh, the top, top top 15, I guess. But I would hope Hawaii's still number one. Okay, if I'm on the mainland, and I wish t- uh, maybe if Tiff Wells was here. If I'm on the – I'd bring it up to Charlie, but I, I want him to keep my name out his mouth <laughs> at press conferences. But I'm thinking here that, you know, that little paddle? What, what do they do if they have a challenge on the mainland? Is it like a <laughs> ping-pong paddle they hold up? Because we question. used to have like a ping-pong paddle – and now they're beautiful koa, I believe it's koa, uh, koa paddles, or maybe monkey pot. I don't know what it's made out of. But I don't understand the paddle thing. In the NFL or the uh, in uh, college football, you have a little red flag. Right. But what's with the paddle? Who went, let's, uh, how do we protest this? Let's grab a paddle. It's interesting to me. Why a paddle? Why not like a big, a big fork or something? <laughs> Now I'm really fork. What, what does it mean? They're like, what, what the was that called? <laughs> fork you. Here's, you know, something like that would make more sense. So That's I don't a good know. Question. We got to find that out tomorrow and call the coach. Okay. All right. Uh, it's uh, seven sixteen with the animals here. It's going to be mostly sunny today. And let's see. Uh, Tanner is texting in his thoughts. He says we still have one loss, and Penn State and UCLA have. Two losses on the season. Oh, okay. He's saying that we have less losses overall than Penn State and UCLA. So maybe that's why we would be number one when the national rankings come out. Yeah, that would be a reason. Again, I think you do it week by week, depending on what happened the previous week. But, yeah, if you look at the overall big picture, then Hawaii does have a better resume than the other two schools. So, And if everything was status quo, basically, with one win and one loss against each other, let's keep it the same as last week. All right. Hey, uh, Dixie Grill in IAEA, that's the best place for happy hour on the island. 32-ounce Bud Lights, 32-ounce uh, Stella Artois, only $6. Jack Daniels and Jameson, also 6 bucks. Peel and eat shrimp, buffalo fries with a little blue cheese crumbles on top. Woo-hoo! Uh, fried crab stuffed deviled eggs, calamari. Those are just some of the favorites down there. Hey, life's too short to sit in traffic. If that's happening to you this afternoon, stop on by Dixie Grill Barbecue and Crab Shack in IAEA. One of the things I was thinking about over the weekend, especially since Saturday, Chris, is... With Laura Beeman and the success she has had now in back-to-back years, regardless of what happens against LSU on Friday, we know 
by past experience that there will be some people reaching out to her to oh, see no. if she's interested in a Power 5 job. It just comes with the territory. It's a good mm. problem to have if you're Lauren Beeman. I'm not sure if UH feels the same way, but that's what happens when a team can either make the tournament and go on a run or make it in back-to-back years like Hawaii is doing. We know that'll happen. We, we heard that after she won the Big West in 2016, there were a few schools that reached out to her. And I remember her reassuring us and our audience that that was not going to happen at the time. But I, I think that's something, and hopefully she won't leave, just selfish reasons for UH that she stays. But when you have a team doing that, especially with what they were dealt with this year, losing Amy Atwell, losing the four injured players, and still winning the Big West the way they did, uh, again, regardless of what happens on Friday, let's say they pull the upset on Friday. Well, then oh, you know no. a lot of schools are going to come calling. <laughs> well, we've got an upset on Friday. It's like, it was nice to know you, Coach Beeman. I mean, it's one thing to love Hawaii. And, you know, I love Hawaii and I love the people and, uh, you know, not so hot on the politicians or traffic. But I love Hawaii. You know, I'm not, I, she didn't say that. I'm just being stupid. But it's one thing to love Hawaii. But sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't know how much um women's basketball coaches make it power five schools but i would think it's more than hawaii oh yes of course it is yeah uh and and, you know money talks we see coaches leave all the time for reasons such as this situation i would think whether it's with david matlin or whoever the new ad is come june that she probably has a raise and or extension coming her way all right I mean, you're probably going to have to pay her a little bit more just to keep her. And hope That's it doesn't good. Come down to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, the gra- and you know what? I would be – if I'm a Coach Beeman, I would be so – she's got to be so excited for the next couple of years. I mean, all this talent that this team has. I mean, that's just – it's nuts, I think, how good this team should be. And, again, you lose two good players, a starter and Spiller, a bench contributor, and McKenna Hare. But, yeah, you, you, they've got a lot coming back and two, two years in a row. You, I don't know about the recruiting for next year. I mean, every now and then well, you'll lose a player. Don't we have, a, like, a really good transfer from Virginia or something coming? I believe so, but I don't know a lot about her right now. Um, but you, you'll, says no, we don't. Okay, you 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 always have a situation too where sometimes a player will leave. As we use the transfer portal, well, players leave obviously. So I don't know about anybody maybe leaving. Hopefully not. But you know you got a lot coming back, and you don't need a whole lot coming in with only maybe three scholarships available. Uh, but I think also the success of this team. I, I I mean, Lily came back probably to play with her sister and to she be did. playing at home. That's what she said. Yeah. But when you have a team success of going to back to back NCAA tournament. Hey, that might be a school I want to go to if I'm going to transfer somewhere. Oh, yeah, it's Hawaii as well. So maybe they'll attract more than they would have in a normal year or a year where they're not going into postseason. So hopefully that will help them get some talent as well. But right now, just taking what this team will have next year, because Callan Spiller, a great player, I I love her game from day one. She doesn't play 30 minutes a game. Imani Perez can come in, Orgy can come in. So you're not there at that position. You still have other players that can step up. You have so much coming back 
fact, this team should be a favorite again in the Big West. Uh, and again, the program is reaching the point. That's what you want to have in a college program yeah. such as this. You want to have the consistency of not going to the NCAAs once every five, six, seven years. You want to be comp- uh, competitive for that every year. And right now, we've got that going for us. And it's not just these last two years. There was at least one year I know they lost the championship to Davis. It might have been two. So they're usually in the hunt for the Big West Championship. And now with what they've done the last two, three years, I think even more so the next few years are going to be similar. And it's great to have a program that can say that about itself, themselves, that you're always fighting for a conference and post an NCAA tournament berth. And this team is at that point right now. But again, just thinking, you know, beyond that, I, I would I would imagine some schools are going to reach out to her. Uh, so maybe it'll cost UH a little bit more to keep her. But she deserves all of this. She definitely does. Kai Lenny is going to join us in uh, about 10 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. By the way, um, as I mentioned earlier, yes, we do have a game time for the Rainbow Wahine. It's uh, 11.30 Hawaii time. So that's... Uh, uh, Let's see, 11.30 Hawaii time Friday. If you want to catch it, you can hear it here on ESPN Honolulu. That is such a great thing to be able to go to the tournament two years in a row. And I, I thought maybe they would keep them out west, although last year they went to Baylor. So it's, it's not too far away from Baylor. I remember the last mm-hmm. time in 2016, I believe they played at UCLA uh, in that first round. But just to be able to make it this often is good. I'm glad we have a time not too early, not too late, because the games will start about 6, 7 a.m. Uh, this weekend for the ladies yeah. as well. And it's not, a, it's not a late game as well. But hopefully, you know, even I mean, you want to get the win. Now, last year against Baylor, they were – they were trailing big time at halftime, made it a better game in the second half, kind of played Baylor close to even. But, I mean, moral victories are kind of good sometimes. And moral you, victories are always good. Well, some coaches don't believe in moral victories. You want to win. I don't care. <laughs> I like moral victories. Depending on the situation, I do as well. I think there's something to be said for that. But just getting to this point, um, it's is already a moral victory. It's an actual victory getting there. Uh-huh. Uh, again, the road they took to get there – uh, again, Saturday's game, and how many times have we said this over the last year or two, you don't get too many games in a typical college year that might be remembered or should be remembered forever or for a very long time. Saturday's championship game will be. You know, last year they win the championship. I believe they won by six or seven. Uh, it was close, but not like this. The fact that you came in trailing in the fourth quarter and things did not look good. You hit those six threes. That, that was, and, and again, the way you score with three and a half seconds left with Deja <laughs> Phillips, great coaching, Woo! great play calling. That's a game that's going to be remembered for a very, very long time. Can you imagine if, I don't know how it is, if you have two tentacles, you get kicked out of the game? Yes. Is that it? Okay. So can you imagine, though, if, um, you know, one of the MVPs is Callan Spiller for getting Deja Phillips to stop chirping at the refs? <laughs> she was really angry about something, one of the calls. And, I mean, she had to be guided off. And uh, Callan Spiller physically, with her hand on the side of her face, holding her face so it would not be turned in the direction of the referee and walked her off. It was like, that was great leadership, man. That was great. It was, kind of, it was that's kind of stuff that's that's the kind of stuff that's kind of fun to watch. <laughs> I didn't think of it at the time, but that was a key play, and it should be noted as well. You're right. Yeah, uh, Junior's calling in at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. How's it? How's it, guys? Going. Uh, just wanted to pay tribute to Mr. Leahy. Uh, what a you know, I he's going to be missed, and that was a good celebration of life yesterday. 
But uh, the main thing I wanted to comment on Gary's comment was, this is why the Hawaii basketball men's team are very frustrated, the fans, because what Laura Beeman has done, I think Iran Ganat should have done it right after Benji Taylor and a lot of the recruits that he had. And granted, they've been getting some good players, right, Chris and Gary? But we can't seem to get over the hump. So I'm just kind of questioning, or a lot of the fans are just saying, what's happening? Because a men's team should be in the tournament, you know, I think. Your, your comments? Why, why should they be in the tournament, in your opinion? Because what, I, what the philosophy, what you're saying, Gary, is people want to go to a good program to go so far away, 5,000 miles, that's what uh, Laura Beeman has been doing, getting a good uh, preseason schedule, playing tough teams. So even though it's three starters down, she took the girls and uh, she turned the team in and co- gave them confidence to take it to the uh, Big West. And being the only representative, that's such a hard thing to do. And we should be consistently, like Artie Wilson said, being up there, especially in basketball, but... I don't know. That's what's frustrating for us, the fans that have been with the, with the Rainbows for so long since the mm. um, Red Rocha days. But I don't know. I just want yeah. to hear your guys' thought. Thank you, guys. Hey, thank you, appreciate- Junior. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. I think that, you know, Junior uh, is a lot of people share that same sentiment uh, that Junior has. But maybe <laughs> you can't do the whole Red Rocha thing, though, that we heard from Jerome Freeman last month. You can't do the whole thing. Okay, we're six and thirteen. You can't tell recruits, you know, we're thirteen and six, and then they come over here. <laughs> That's what he did. That's how he got Jerome Freeman. He lied about their win loss record, but now we have an internet and stuff like that, so people can actually find that stuff out. <laughs> Probably wouldn't and shouldn't work these days. Right, but I wouldn't. You know, I saw your face. You were a little disappointed that Junior wants the Rainbow Men's Basketball Team. To go to uh, you know go to the tournament, be a little more consistent on that, no, or go farther in the Big West tournament because there are no fans out there that are saying, ah, it's okay, we didn't win again, six out of seven times, it's okay. I just don't think you compare it with a women's program and say, well, they did it, we should. They should do it, but a lot of teams should be in that position. It's hard to do. I st- again, I'm not trying to make excuses for this team. It was very disappointing in how it oh, ended. Oh, sure you are. It's okay. Just no, I'm make not. excuses. I'm giving the reality of it. It was a fine line, a very fine line of winning and losing. You lose by two. You could have tied it up with a couple of free throws. I, I Again, a, a swing here and there makes all the difference in the world come tournament time. And for whatever reason, it hasn't gone Hawaii's way in six of those seven years by winning any of these close games. And it, and it is frustrating. It's disappointing. Uh, I don't think there's an easy answer to it, the why or how to fix it. If there was, they would do it. I just think mm. you keep on trying, keep on plugging away and try to get over that hump of going further in the tournament, in the Big West tournament. Uh, Kai Lenny is going to join us. Uh, Hall of Fame Waterman has got a project going on. You're going to want to be interested in. That's next here on ESPN Honolulu. We'll check your traffic and be right back. When we got the opportunity a few weeks ago to book this next guest, I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't wait. Uh, A lot of us big fans of uh, Waterman Kai Lenny, he joins us now on ESPN Honolulu. How's it, Kai? Hey, how's it? Great to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. 
Right on. Now you got uh, folks. If you haven't seen it yet, there's a um, there's a new episode coming out. Uh, the show is called Life of Kai. First of all, where can folks uh, see this? What platforms is Life of Kai on? Um, so the series is on RedBull.com or RedBull TV. It's also uh, going to be on YouTube. So um, if you guys want to check it out, that'd be awesome. Okay, and uh, so what's the what's the whole what's this show about? What's the whole deal? Are we just fall, kind of learning more about you? You know, in and out of the water. What's the premise of the show? So the premise of the show, you know, it's it's my life. It's everything that's going on from you know becoming a new father to uh, balancing riding giant waves that could kill you to pushing my limits um, during training and everything else in between. It's kind of just all the experiences that I'm going through in my life right now. And, uh, you know, it's full of action, but it's also full of heart, and uh, and there's a lot of lessons to be learned along the way. And by that statement, I can't tell if you're talking about raising two baby girls or riding, like, 30-foot waves. It sounds kind of the same. <laughs> you know what? It's pretty similar. I mean, uh, the best thing that ever happened to me was having my daughters um but it's not going to stop me from doing what i love as well which is riding big waves and doing all these water sports that can be dangerous and so it's like striking that balancing act and you know since they were born i feel like my performance as an athlete has become 10 times what it was because i'm more focused when i'm training and uh you know there's a lot more on the line and you know if you're in a heavy situation you end up fighting more for uh you know yourself when you know you have your girls at home and when it was just you on your own uh-huh do you is there is there okay so whether it's serve is there any like water sport that you don't do <laughs> um you know i try to do every water sport i possibly can i leave it up to mother nature to tell me what the best conditions are for the sport i'm going to choose and you know uh, recently it's been the last couple of weeks, it's been so rainy and so windy, so all these wind sports have been fantastic. And, uh, you know, now that we have no wind or very light Kona winds here on Maui, um, it's been phenomenal surf or Santa paddling. And um, I just kind of look at what the conditions are best for. I really love doing everything from canoe paddling all the way to every possible wind sport, foils, um, even just being below the surface, diving and body surfing. So, uh, you know, I just try to do everything. Man, I see. I, I can I can picture Kai Lenny. It's like going to McDonald's at Hawaii Kai, stealing the uh, the tray, and then body surfing Sandy's at like six a.m. He does it all. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. That is uh, that'd be pretty fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guys at McDonald's until they started punching holes in all of the. Uh, this is obviously from my experience, punching holes in all of the the trays so people stop stealing them. Anyway, we're talking oh, with Kai Lenny. Gosh. Kai Lenny is—he's pretty disappointed in the radio host right now. Kai Lenny uh, has a, a new series, uh, "Life of Kai." Check it out on YouTube and RedBull.com. Now you have one of the most well-known surf film producers of all time. Keith Malloy is directing this, and uh, what's it like having him on your team? Well, you know, it's always uh, a pleasure and an honor to work with um, people that. I really respect and have done so much within our surfing world. And, you know, Keith, I've always appreciated the way he tells stories. It comes from a very authentic place. And, you know, some of his 
some of my favorite films that he's made is actually body surfing. And, you know, he kind of um, showed the world how crazy some of these body surfers are. And, you know, especially the crew down at, uh, you know, Point Panic and then obviously Sandy's and such. Uh, and so when I had the opportunity to work with him, I'm like, okay, well, he's going to make me look good no matter what. So, and I also <laughs> felt the pressure as well to like, all right, I'm working with this uh, incredible filmmaker. Um, I got to, you know, hold my end up of the deal and, and really perform and uh, not leave any stone unturned. Kai Lenny, you can follow on Instagram at Kai underscore Lenny. I'm sure there's lots of great, uh, I'm sure it's a great follow. Um, now, you've been doing this for a while. How long, how much longer are you going to basically be risking your life? Probably until the day I die. And, uh, you know, I've always had this, uh, my last bucket list would probably be riding a 70-foot wave at 70 years old. So I just got to <laughs> make it there. Yeah. The What's the biggest wave you ever rode and where? Um, uh, it's it's pretty uh, even between Peahi Jaws here on Maui and uh, Nazare in Portugal. It's about 80 feet tall. So it's... Uh, it's definitely overhead. And, you know, at a certain point, you don't realize how big the wave is until you see the photo or video later on. Because after 50 feet, it just kind of all feels the same. So, you know, you're like, you hope you get a 100-foot wave because it wouldn't feel that much bigger than an 80-foot wave, really. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about the face. You're talking about the face of the wave, right? Totally, yeah. So I guess okay. my Hawaiian standards, you know, a 40-foot Hawaiian wave, uh, that's probably the biggest wave I've ever ridden. About how fast are you coming down the face of the wave? About how many miles per hour is that? Um, on, it depends. So I'm doing about 45 miles an hour on my big wave paddling guns, which is like a 10-foot board. And then on my uh, toe and surfboard uh, with straps, and you know, it's a much smaller board, and it, um, it cuts through the water a little better. That's about 55 miles an hour. Um, so you go pretty quick, and so when you fall, you end up just skipping for a while, and then usually the lip meets you and takes you underwater. But, you know, other than that, it's just the most free feeling. It does feel like you're flying because most of the time you're skipping so much, you spend more time in the air than actually on the water. That's unbelievable. You would, I would think that, uh, I mean, this is like, this is like um, I guess, standing on the, on the roof of a car as it's going down the H1 freeway. Kind of. That's what you're doing. Yeah, with the, with, with the mountain breaking behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's got a question for you. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, you mentioned Jaws, and I've seen this video on YouTube years ago, and I still watch it every now and then, about somebody going night surfing at Jaws, which is incredible. Have you ever done anything like that, night surfing? Uh, no, I haven't uh, night surfed out there. Actually, that was my good friend, Mark Visser, who did that. And this was like kind of a little bit before my time out at Ahi and I just thought he was cr absolutely crazy. Uh, I mean, he is pretty nuts. He uh, he trains uh, Navy SEALs, and he's an Australian madman and uh, such a good guy. But, I mean, I think that's one thing that I want to do one day. Um, you know, you definitely need the best support because if you fall, you know, you're in the dark of night, and uh, you're probably fending for yourself. Man, Kai Lenny joining the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Life of Kai's got a new episode. Check it out, RedBull.com or uh, on YouTube. When all is said and done, when, when this all, you know, I'm, you know you're going to be surfing till you're 70, I know. When you're 71 and you're just off of that 70-foot wave, what do you want to be remembered for? 
Um, I, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. It, I think if I could just have inspired people to kind of step outside their comfort zone and push their limits and, uh, you know, just really work hard, that's, that's all I can, I think, give. I mean, as far as all the rides and stuff, you know, in the moment they feel insane, but the only good is your last wave. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I've, it, it will hopefully have been just the most incredible journey. And, you know, by that time, you know, my, my daughters and, you know, maybe my future grandkids will be surfing with me. And, and that's, that's going to be kind of boiled down to all that matters, you know. And, uh, and right now, you know, if I can inspire kids to, uh, to live their dream, even if it's not surf or water related, then, um, you know, I think I'm doing my job. Right on. Hey, by the way, what's your favorite sport besides anything like surfing? Anything you do, what's your favorite sport to watch? Um, I, you know, I really love watching Formula One and uh, MotoGP. It's just the opposite of what I do, and I just find it super fascinating. Um, to me, it's just uh, it's just cool to see when athleticism and technology kind of meets in the middle. And you know, I try to you know think outside the box that very same way within my water sports. Um, trying to push the equipment to be technologically superior, and then that forces me to perform better. So it's like you can gain a lot of inspiration from uh, other places. Wow, that's interesting because, yeah, I mean, I can see how somebody, you know, a thrill seeker like you, that would be the sport to watch just because of the speed and the danger and all of that stuff. But, uh, well, Kai, thank you for a few joining us for a few minutes. Folks, check it out, RedBull.com. YouTube season two of uh, Life of Kai. Kai, have a great rest of your week. Thank you, sir. You guys too. Mahalo. All right. Kai Lenny there uh, calling in from Maui and uh, check out the show. I'd be interested to see that. I just I just cringe that it's just such a, a guy with two kids has such a dangerous, dangerous life. It's incredible. I remember reading a story a few years ago about his upbringing and how he first got involved with surfing, and it's pretty cool to be able to say you're doing exactly in life what you want to do. Your greatest love, besides family, I guess, is surfing. He's only 30 years old, which right. might be old for surfers, but what an accomplishment with all the accomplishments he's had that he gets to do it kind of in his backyard as well. Yeah, I don't know that 30 years old, look at guys like Christian Slater, not Christian Slater, is it Christian? Kelly. Kelly Slater. Kristen Slater, isn't he the actor? Yeah. <laughs> Look at Kelly Slater. I mean, that guy is that guy is ageless. But anyway, what a treat. That was uh that was that, that'll be a fun memory years sure. from now. Uh actually talking to Kai Lenny on the show. It's seven forty seven. Sounds like a good name for an airline. Seven forty seven here with the sports animals. It will be mostly sunny today, so if you're out there wing foiling or whatever you're doing in the water got some good weather for you today uh we're going to check your traffic and uh, remind you once again call the coach with charlie wade tomorrow 6 30 at ruby tuesday moanalua from espn honolulu Good morning. What a weekend it was for University of Hawaii sports. Baseball, softball, volleyball, basketball. And uh, it's going to be another exciting one, uh, week coming up this week. The Rainbow Wahine are headed to Louisiana. 
This would be perfect if Amber Igidi was on the basketball team. <laughs> yeah. She's, of course, from uh, Baton Rouge, but uh, Baton Rouge. How do you say it? Baton Rouge. Ba- Baton Rouge, I I like when they say Baton Rouge. Anyway, she's from Louisiana. That's her hometown. Maybe she'll give the ladies, uh, you know, some advice on where to eat some good crawfish or something. By the sure. way, congratulations to Amber Igidi. I lost my notes, but she has been invited to play for the um, for the uh, the nationals uh, team for the right. spring training camp. Uh, the USA Volleyball. It's a spring training deal. I got the press release. I printed it out and I lost it. You guys, sorry about that. But there's also somebody else from Hawaii who is uh, who is being invited along with Amber on that team, a libero. And I believe she went to, I want to say, Ohio State. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, I'm trying to. It's actually uh, Alina Oglila. Oh, what? She, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to pronounce her last name. Are you looking at it? Yeah, yeah. She's from Coppola. She went to Stanford. Oh, Stanford, um, yeah. Olivier? Oglivy? Pronouncing her last name, I apologize for that. OG. It looks like it looks like Ogilvy, but it's not. It's yeah. some, it's anyway. Yeah, you know, if you actually played for Hawaii, we'd remember your name. Let that be a lesson to you, high school volleyball prospects. I think she's from Iolani, I believe. Her sister played at Iolani. I think played for the yes, Army. Yes, from I remember that. Yeah. A lot of headlines uh, as a high school athlete, but yeah. Uh, she's a she plays the Liberace position, and uh, she will be up there as well. So congratulations uh, to the, those two ladies. I mean, it's that's a, just a wonderful, wonderful experience with the coaches and all the other players you're going to be playing with. So right on. Anyway, congratulations, Amber, a friend of the show, by the way. That's right, and that started yesterday in Anaheim, so they'll have a whole week training up there. All right. Um, we mentioned that Tua Tagovailoa's um, fifth-year option was picked up. I'm wondering, maybe this is a bad thing and a negative thing to kind of ponder on, but I'm wondering if they just gave up trying to, you know, get Tom Brady to come out of retirement or Aaron Rodgers or all of these other guys. It just seems like They've never, you know, why did it take this long for them to pick up his option? I guess that's the question I'm asking. Is it because they're making cap space or something? I don't know. I I would think it's because the deadline made it so they didn't have to rush anything. I mean, a lot of options have been picked up in the last week or so. The new year starts this Wednesday, so there was no sense of urgency to give him an extension a month ago. Also, with his health history, maybe you wanted to make sure you're doing as much research to make sure he's your guy. I, I don't. If I'm a Miami fan, I don't want Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady there necessarily because no. they're not Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers the way we remember them. I don't want Aaron Rodgers as a Jet. Besides the point, Tua had a great year, went on the field for them, and yeah. as long as he's healthy, he's your future. Enough said, I think. I mean, I, I I wish they wouldn't explore that. I wonder how deeply, if at all, they did go at, look at a Rodgers. I mean, Tom Brady, I don't think anybody really believes is going to come out of retirement. But Aaron Rodgers, you don't know about him yet. If I'm Miami, I'm looking big picture, not just one year. Right, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, you see some team, that's what the Rams did. The Rams were looking at one or two years. Now they're trying to get rid of everybody. Well, they looked uh, at a one, two years just to get that team together and try to win now. But what Matthew Stafford wasn't going to be there for just one or two years. He wasn't as old as a Brady or an Ivan Rodgers. Well, you're, mm, yeah, he's like 33 or 34 or something like that. 
I mean, he w- certainly wasn't a young guy, uh, Matthew Stafford, and he played like he was really old last year. So the Rams now, if you're a Rams fan, it's it's going to be some lean years coming up. They're tra- they traded um, uh, Jalen Ramsey, the all-pro corner, to the Dolphins. The Dolphins pick up more weapons. And the Rams are just, it's like, you know, they're trying to get rid of Matthew Stafford. They're trying to get rid of everybody and start all over again. Well, the salary cap now comes into play for them, and they don't have a lot of options unless they clear the cap space, so I guess. That's, that's the way to go about it, getting rid of some of these high-priced older guys. Yeah, you know what I saw, too, is the, uh, um, and we'll continue this coming up, but um, there was the Houston Texans had, like, some kind of, they got, they got dinged like a draft choice, like a third-round draft choice over the weekend. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Uh, Tanner, you know what I'm talking about, right? We'll talk about that and more coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Here's three, actually, here's five things. Five things you need to know on the way in this morning. Hey, it's the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. And uh, the thing we were talking about, the Houston Texans, uh, they're going to lose a fifth-round selection in the 2023 draft. Uh, they also got fined like uh, one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Something about it was like an accounting problem with a salary cap or something like that. But that was uh, that actually, actually that happened uh, a few days ago, uh, four days ago. What was that Thursday? Something like that. Anyway, uh, here's three things you need to know. Check it out. UH uh, Rainbow Wahine. They are going to be playing LSU in Baton Rouge for the NCAA tournament in the first round. You can catch the game eleven thirty here on ESPN Honolulu. I'm happy that they are a 14 seed compared to where they were last year as a 15. And uh, you're playing a top-notch opponent in LSU. Upsets happen, and more 14s win than 15. So let's hope it results in a victory this Friday. That would be incredible. But even if not a victory, what a great season they have had. The University of Hawaii Rainbow Warrior Volleyball team, uh, they beat UCLA in four in front of a sold-out crowd at the Stan Sheriff Center. And uh, they can't rest too long. Uh, they can't celebrate too long because we've got Long Beach State kicking off conference play this weekend. What a way to start off conference play. And hearing Charlie Wade last hour with us, interesting, even reading some of the players' comments over the weekend, they were mad on Friday night. Not disappointed, not frustrated. They were mad at themselves yeah. for not beating Penn State and not giving them more of a battle. But they got out of that on Saturday with that big win in four over UCLA. I found it interesting, Charlie, because they were. I was just like they were just out of sorts. It was like, who is this team we're watching? No offense at all. And Charlie said, you know what? It was they couldn't get the offense going because it was like uh, didn't he? He said because they couldn't serve it in bounds. You know? Oftentimes you'll talk about serve and receive, uh, how that is something that we, we maybe we take for granted as fans, but you're trying to do a specific thing with your serve, make sure you can hit it as hard into a specific area. And uh, yeah, it's interesting when it doesn't work out, yeah. something they have been really good at. I, I don't remember Hawaii being bad in serving. Or did he mean that it was Penn State who couldn't keep it in bounds and that was throwing Hawaii off? Because they certainly, I mean, we got like eleven points or something like that in the in the, the set that they won, the first one, uh, based all on uh, on Penn State's um, mishaps. 
still, if they if they weren't serving well, maybe they wouldn't have won the way they did in Penn State as well. But I'm sure it's a contributing factor, of course, and it can yeah. obviously make a difference between not so much winning and losing, but yeah. in how far you go in a tournament, in a set, and how competitive you might be or how close a set might be. All right, uh, yeah, you were on the main line. I, I don't know if you got a chance to see a replay of that, but it was uh, uh, it was uh, kind of it, it was it was it was interesting to watch. I can see how their reaction because they're so good is they didn't get mad. They wanted to get even with somebody. So I feel a little sorry for UCLA. Uh, the, Bru- the, the Bruins were the guys that were up next. They had to take out their frustration on somebody, and it happened to be UCLA. But, man, UCLA is super good, too. And I'm thinking, you know what? I don't, I don't want to be the team serving when you're playing a team like Penn State or UCLA because I want to be the guy receiving so that I can get the first crack at either them serving out of bounds into the net or us, you know, getting a first shot at them on the offensive side. I guess it doesn't work that way in volleyball, but as I'm, you know, enjoying the game, that's what I'm hoping is, no, I don't want to serve. I want them to serve and us to do be doing the slam downs. You want to have them have a service error if that's possible. But, again, sometimes with the other team is that good at serving, you're not going to be able to hit it back to where you want. Yeah. So maybe it gives them a little bit of an advantage. That's the, that's the thought of, of serving first. Yeah, I, I know. But. I understand that. I just I, I know I'm thinking, you know, silly thoughts. It's just I didn't want to see the ball on their side of the net. They're just, <laughs> of course. Those teams are just too dangerous. All right. Hey, March Madness is here. Playing games start tomorrow and Thursday. The first round starts at 6 a.m. bright and early Thursday morning here on ESPN Honolulu. You know, I didn't see all the times yet for many of these games. I know they're out there now for the men, but one of the playing games is Mississippi State and Pittsburgh. Mississippi State has one of the best players in the SEC. You might remember this name, Tolu Smith. He played his senior year at Kahuku. Uh, had family out here. Then he went to uh, Western Kentucky for a year or two, and now at Mississippi State, and he's a first-teamer All-SEC, leading rebounder, I believe, in the league. The guy's had a really good year, and I am a little surprised. I didn't see that from him in high school, and I watched him enough in person to see, okay, the guy's good, but to be one of the dominant players in the SEC, that is really, really something. So I guess we're pulling a little bit for Mississippi State. Okay, now when Justice Suing is out there and Tolu Smith – they're only here for like a year. We we can't dub them as Hawaii's own, can we? Um, some people will. I won't necessarily do that. It's just that he did play at Hawaii, so I'll just base it on that. But I I agree with you. I, I don't. That's not where he spent the majority of his high school years. So I, I'm I'm on your side with that. But it just if you're looking for an angle or maybe somebody to cheer for, you know, he does have that Hawaii connection. I've seen him at several after game celebrations where he's wearing a lei. Uh, so that's kind of cool, but yeah, he's not but like that's he spent his, his but career that's his here. heritage. That's not his, you know. There, there are people from the main Polynesian people from the mainland who wear lays. That doesn't make him from Hawaii. No, no, he, and he's not from here. I, I agree with you on that. But just a little bit of maybe something you can re- not really relate to, but identify with. This guy has some Hawaii ties. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, Hawaii ties at well, least. Certainly, we could. Yeah, Hawaii ties, and we can cheer for him. Yeah, since our since our team can't make it to the dads, we've got to. <laughs> Oh, no, you didn't say that on the radio. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just, that's horrible. Horrible of me to say. Horrible. It's, uh, um, oh, a couple of more things you need to know. Uh, superstar quarterback Mike White <laughs> is now with the Miami Dolphins. 
how do they have enough cap space to sign all of these superstars? He doesn't cost that much. I didn't see the terms, but I imagine he's only getting uh, only a few million years. So when they play the Jets this year, will they give him a Mike White tribute video when he goes <laughs> to MetLife Stadium? And he has more video highlights to show than, let's say, Zach Wilson. Why would they, he? Jet, he's the best quarterback the Jets have. Well, he was a free agent. So he got a chance to leave, and maybe they just didn't want to pay. They're trying to save money with Aaron Rodgers, supposedly, with it clearing up cap space the last 48 hours or so. So maybe that's why they didn't go after Mike White as much. Tanner Hayworth, jump in here. Uh, You were commenting on the, um, you know, quarterbacks taking up a bunch of cap space. How much cap space is Deshaun Watson going to be taking up the next couple of years? Right, so that was news earlier today that the Browns and Deshaun Watson actually worked out a way to restructure his contract so they could free up up to probably around $30 million of cap. Uh, Because of that restructure, however, in this year, next year, and the year after that, for each year, uh, Deshaun Watson's salary cap hit will be around $60 million by himself. Wow. Thank you, Tanner. You see, that's why Lamar Jackson uh, is, you know, he's, he's franchise tagged. You're going to take that much cap space? That's crazy. The, the Browns will never, you know what? And Deshaun Watson, by all, you know, by, by last year's account, is not the superstar quarterback he used to be. Now, by the way, out for a while. I was wrong. It's not around 60. It is 64. So about four more than I thought. Sixty-four million. You can tell there they wanted to sign Mike White, but they couldn't. (laughs) Who wouldn't? Actually, here's a big one. Jimmy Garoppolo is now a Las Vegas Raider. Or gonna be. And it makes sense. I mean, what what I also see in that is some of the other teams, mainly the New York Jets, may be in the running for Jimmy G or not in the running any longer, which leaves them without many options in this game of musical chairs or quarterback chairs. If it's not Aaron Rodgers for the Jets, who are you getting? For the Raiders, though, I think it makes sense. It does and make sense. They're paying him literally nothing. What What is it, Tanner? A three-year, $37 million, three-year, what is the contract? So it's a three-year, um, it's a three-year, sixty-seven and a half million dollar contract with thirty-four million guaranteed, thus making his cap hit probably in the uh, ten millions. Uh, so that's actually kind of a deal when it comes to when you think of other contracts like with Geno Smith, who had the three-year hundred million dollar deal. That's mm-hmm. about forty million dollars uh, in difference in between Geno Smith. And Jimmy Garoppolo there, man, that's crazy. That is, they got a pretty good deal. So it's twenty million a year. Basically, he's got ten, a little over ten million guaranteed each year for this contract. And it's only, you know, it's it's three years, so it's good. You know, he can kind of prove himself. Maybe get an extension after the first year, or the Raiders after a while can, if it's not working out, you know, they're not on the hook for that much money at all. Right. Wow, Raiders fan. Blair Thorndike, are you listening? Saw my classmate yesterday. Uh, he loves the Raiders. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> Jimmy G, now a Raider. And it makes sense because of the coach, right? Yeah, with, with Josh McDaniel, being familiar with him in New England with their days together. But it, don't, don't, most mock drafts have the Raiders drafting a quarterback as well coming up next month. Well, not anymore. I wonder. I mean, Jimmy G, you're – 
seven or eight year starter? Yeah, but or, you just signed Jimmy G. You're not worried about quarterback right now. You're worried about well, you got Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy G going to Devontae Adams. You know the Raiders' defense could uh, use some help. I'm sure with that, whatever wherever they're picking, um, wherever they're picking, I know it's a top ten pick, number seven, number seven overall. The Raiders might uh, be going for a defensive back. Uh, they might be going for something. They need defensive help. That's the direction you go in. You don't sign a quarterback to a three-year deal and go, okay, now we're going to enter, you know, do a backup. I know some of the Jets would do, sure. <laughs> but not you're the right. is. Not, you're right. I, I guess maybe they wouldn't draft one in the first round now with Jimmy G, but maybe at some point they try to address their future. I mean, I guess two reasons. One, Jimmy G's not that young. He's not that old, I know. But with the injury factor, maybe you want to have some insurance and maybe have a young guy he could kind of mentor. Yeah, or maybe you just have a backup court. You're, you know, I don't think you think that way. I think you're thinking too far ahead right now for the Raiders. They're just trying to get their defense better and keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs and the the likes of those guys. But uh, interesting here, about, since you mentioned quarterbacks and the draft, C.J. Stroud now is the odds-on favorite to be the number one guy picked by the Panthers. And it makes sense for them. I guess uh, Sam Darnold does not have a future in Carolina. That was a dumb trade. Anybody who trades for Sam Darnold has got to be a little off. Uh, well, I think Sam Darnold's a fine backup quarterback, and he'll be a backup quarterback for the next 10 years. Uh, I don't know if he's a fine backup, and I don't know about 10 years, but he's, Sam he's a Darnold backup. Sam Darnold actually did not have a bad year last year, if I remember correctly. I don't remember his numbers. He didn't play that much. Uh, but he did play. He was. He wasn't awful. He wasn't awful. He wasn't Nathan Peterman. I guess that. But he. He's not going to be a starter anytime soon. But now maybe. No, again, that's now, what I'm talking about. It's a backup. Yeah, he makes sense to some team. I, I think also one of the big signings to be uh, is Javon Hargrave going from Philadelphia to San Francisco. He had 11 wow. sacks last year. Four wow. years, $84 million contract, $40 million guaranteed. I remember people saying as soon as the Super Bowl ended or during Super Bowl week, this is, I mean, they have a lot of free agents, the Eagles do, so they can't afford all of them to keep. But this is one guy should have been their big priority, was keeping him on their defense, and he is gone. That is, I think, a big loss for Philadelphia there. Cam Sutton going from the Steelers uh, – they lose Joe Hayden to retirement. Now the Steelers lose Cam Sutton in their defensive backfield to the uh, Detroit Lions. That's a great move for the Lions, teaming up back there with Jeff Okuda and others. Mm. Great. Of course, we all are wondering about Marcus Mariota and his future. I don't know definitely when it will be announced or when he'll make a move, but I would think, with, <clears throat> again, with free agency starting on Wednesday, again, it might be, he might be one of those guys that has to wait for Aaron Rodgers to declare where and when or if, and then the rest of the quarterbacks fall into play. Now, we know about Jimmy G, but there's a whole bunch of free agents out there. Geno Smith, we know, is staying in Seattle. But there's going to be some movement, obviously, with some of these uh, quarterbacks, and that'll have a ripple effect. And I am curious, like we all are, where Marcus is going. I saw somebody text in, I believe, on Friday. Maybe Marcus should choose Kansas City. I don't really think it's going to be the situation necessarily where he's going to choose from one of eight teams that are going to want him. Uh, he's going to have more than one team, I think, attempting to sign him. But it's not where he's necessarily going to be able to choose. Do I go to the Chiefs or here or there? Maybe it will, but I, I just have a feeling it's going to be um, not a lot of teams, but more than one that's going to want his services, obviously, as a backup. But that's going to be a story to watch this week as well. 
Yeah, where do you think a good landing place for Marcus would be? You know, it depends on what you're looking at. Besides Miami. Okay, well, yeah, but you're looking at playing time or a system, no, a coaching just situation. A good, a good place, a best fit for Marcus Mariota. He's going to be a backup quarterback. So the good thing is most backup quarterbacks in the league get some playing time. <laughs> they, they do. They do. Because of injury. But I, I mean, I can see a few places. I mean, as far as the need, I do think the Jets are one of those teams. To me, the Chiefs doesn't make a lot of sense to me, uh, even though a few fans have hoped for that just because they're good. Well, you got Mahomes. He's not a guy who's typically injured that much. He's not a guy that's going to sit out that much. But he's so, a guy who plays injured. He and he plays he gets injured. injured yeah. He plays injured. So as far as Marcus, if he was going to go to a team like Kansas City. Maybe the money would be good or better, but playing time I don't think would be. You have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl, that's for sure. But I don't know if I'd really want him to go to KC, all things considered. But my question to you is where would be a good fit? I, you mentioned the Jets. I, I, I think, think the, of the offense that he would be going to. That's my question. Where's the best fit for Marcus Mariota? One or two really good fits. You, you got the Jets with a number of good receivers. I think he can – Maybe uh, not really excel, but do well there at least with them. Um, you know, one team you brought up last week, Chris, and I really thought about a lot. Makes a lot of sense is Chicago, right? With the offense That's there, right? that does at. make a lot of sense because you you have you know somebody like the Baltimore Ravens would make sense. The Buffalo Bills, even to me, would make sense. Yeah, I, I think I think more so Chicago, but the other teams do make sense as well. I'm not sure how they feel. I don't know who their backups are. Well, we know they got Huntley in Baltimore. But it depends on Lamar Jackson as far if he's staying or not. With Josh right. Allen, I'm not even sure who their backup is right now. You know where who would be? I think that uh, who could use him as well is somebody like the San Francisco 49ers. Just some of these, you know, or the Miami Dolphins with Mike McDaniel, I, and not because Tua is there. But just because as a backup quarterback, you might be able to figure things out, you know, some, some, some cool things to do with a guy who has the athleticism and still speed that Marcus Mariota has. True, true. And I do wonder, let's say with Marcus, when his perspective, he doesn't seem, I don't know him that well. Of course, we just have interviewed him. But you don't, I don't know him at all. I, 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 it was going to be his priority. Money doesn't sound like it would necessarily be I the would. priority. At this point, I'd be like, "Just get, I don't care where I'm playing. I want the most money I can get. Just or, go for it. Or do you look at a place where I might be able to play or win a Super Bowl more so than other spots? Maybe a good spot for Marcus Mariota would be at one of these uh, teams that are picking a rookie quarterback. Because Marcus has made some bad decisions on the field, talking about interceptions and things like that. But, I mean, the guy still has so much playing experience i mean starting experience that's what you're looking for in a backup quarterback and that's why i bring up sam darnold somebody like sam darnold or marcus Mariota. i would still think that they're in high demand as backups because of the starting experience that's what i thought that's the only reason i mentioned the jets because they're going to get a rookie oh well they're not necessarily they're not going to get a rookie quarterback excuse me they're going to have another quarterback will probably be a veteran but i think if you have a veteran backup uh joe flacco is not going to be there I, I don't i don't know about zach wilson i think they should just get rid of him yesterday but i think marcus would have a chance to be a good mentor for one thing as well that's a good point also but the bears do make more sense because you don't have to change a lot if he does go there yeah, that's a, and that's what you're thinking. If you, you're saying if the starter goes down, you don't have to change a lot, and that's what you're looking for too, is in a backup quarterback as well. 
All right, 20 minutes after the hour with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Rainbow Baseball Coach Rich Hill is going to join us in 15 minutes. Uh, We'll take calls and texts and more coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. We haven't yet talked about Chris's favorite sport, the NHL. We'll save that for another day. But the NBA regular season is coming down oh, to NBA a, a, under NBA regular season and NHL. Oh, I can't decide what I hate worse. You like exhibition baseball, though, apparently. What do no? you mean? Well, I've I talked about how I, I, I'm not a fan of eight ball exhibition game but i thought you liked that but the nba i mean there's still a lot going on a lot to be decided i'm into local sports i'm into the local scene man man okay well we're gonna have rich hill on in a few minutes we can talk about uh baseball coming up but the nba though uh winding down in the end of the regular season about 15 17 games left for most teams 13 for others um this big question, I think, are the Lakers going to make even the play-in tournament? Now, one thing about them, right now, they are tied for the last spot in the play-in tournament. So the teams in back of them are also with the same record, New Orleans and Oklahoma City. Uh, Portland's only two games in back. They will get LeBron James back at some point in the next week or two. And the, the way the way I've seen it, the Lakers really just feel once they get in the playoffs and are healthy, they have a better chance than if they try to rush somebody back. I, I don't know why you're laughing at that. I, I wouldn't put it past them to do some damage in the playoffs. Some. I don't, I don't think they're going to the Western win Conference now. Final. They can't even get to 500. They're trying to win right now, and they can't. You think just because the playoffs are coming and now you're going to play better competition, you're going to flick a switch and all of a sudden be good, that's eh, a pretty big switch to flick. It is, but you also got a pretty big switch in LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is that good. And, I get the, again, he has to be healthy for him to be that effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I, I, I wouldn't rule – I mean, now, again, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals. I think that would be kind of ridiculous and really going out there in a, on a big limb. But I think they could win a play-in tournament game or two and maybe give somebody a tough time. Whether it, Let's say you're Memphis. Memphis was right now the number two seed, tied with Sacramento. If the Lakers played Memphis, are you saying, not just you, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they could beat a Memphis team. With their experience, with Anthony Davis and LeBron healthy, with John Moran being John Moran, but still that young, inexperienced team gets rattled easily. I wouldn't be surprised. As an example, they could pull off an upset like that. I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm not a Lakers homer, of course. But you see the talent there. Even though they haven't put it all together yet, if they do get in, I I, I don't think if you're a Memphis team, you're thinking, ah, we got the Lakers, no problem. It doesn't work like that when you have an Anthony Davis and LeBron James coming your way come playoff time. And I think that's a big difference. So why playoff time? Why, Why can't they win now then? They knew they would fix it. Well, part of it is injuries. Part of it was injury. So I just, you just rarely see a team in any sport, you know, kind of fumble through the season, and then all of a sudden you turn it on. Now, sure, in the NFL, somebody like a wild card team can go far, but there might be reasons why they're a wild card team. But the Lakers just don't look. The Lakers just don't look like the Lakers, I guess. Well. 
They got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Most teams don't have a situation with two Hall of Famers like that who can take over games and even a series. And if you're going yeah. up against a young, young inexperienced team. Yeah. I, I, okay, so that maybe they said that back when they're like, hey, Carl Malone and Gary Payton are Hall of Famers. They're playing for the Lakers. No, How, not at all. Did that go totally different? Those guys know, are near the end of their careers. Well, I think that LeBron James is near the end of his career with all the mileage that he's put on there at 37 years old. Is that what he is? 37? 37 or so. Yeah, but he's also so scoring like 30 years. a game. He's not, no, he's not. I know. I know. Yeah, I guess. Okay. You're right. You're right. What I'm getting at, though, is how often do you see a team that's, you know, like this? I mean, yesterday, um, I'm checking. I'm, I want to check some scores, but. Yesterday, uh, Anthony Davis is like, you know, he's, he says, I didn't do my job. Uh, he had a good game. He had like 17 points and 16 rebounds. That's really good. Is LeBron hurt now? Yes. So when is LeBron going to be coming back? That's, well, as I said a few minutes ago, he's supposed to be back in a week or two. I, I missed it. I tuned out mentally when we were talking NBA basketball. But, I mean, they lost to the Knicks. Um, I don't know. I just – do you see this often where a team is about 500 and they end up winning a couple of – how far do you see them going in the playoffs? I mean, why are we talking about the number nine seed in the NBA, I guess? Because they're the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's why. How, how often do you see a team in the ninth spot with two sure first ballot Hall of Famers that haven't been healthy all year but when healthy are about as good as anybody? I mean, okay, look at it this way also, Chris. The Lakers right now are five games out of the fourth spot in the West. That's a really small amount. They are that right. close. And, I, I mean, there's a lot of teams between them and fifth and fourth, I mean, but they're not that far away. If if every team is 100% healthy, which is hard to do, they're, right. they're, I think they're as good as anybody four through eight. Right, but you're saying you're five games back, so you're hoping – that the Clippers continue to lose with Russell Westbrook. All of a sudden, the Phoenix Suns are going to be bad. Uh, you know, the Dallas Mavericks are kind of doing it to themselves. But uh, according to my numbers right here, the uh, – oh, I guess there's all these teams that are tied for ninth. So when you say, oh, um, and I don't know if it was on or off the air, hey, the Lakers are in the ninth position. Well, they're tied with like four other teams in the ninth position. Yeah, I said that. I said that. I mean, I right, said, so they could be easily way out of this as well. You know, you're saying you're four games. You know, you're saying you're four games away from being in fourth. You're also like one game away from being thirteenth. Yeah, true. But I, who do you like better right now, the Lakers or New Orleans without Zion? It's not even. I don't think I don't that's know. even a debate. I would want. I don't like any of them. I don't think we, anyone even needs to really talk about anybody less than the Golden State Warriors at number six. I think these teams are all 500 or under that we're talking about. It just shows you that really in in the Western Conference, it's got to be the Phoenix Suns because of experience or the Denver Nuggets. How are you going to stop that? The the Nuggets are on fire, man. They're on a four-game losing streak. But the Nuggets overall should be 
a favorite to be in the in the uh, in the NBA Finals. Of course, and I'm not saying they can beat Denver or win the West. I don't even say they can make it to the Western Conference Finals. You look at Phoenix; they don't have Kevin Durant for at least a week or two. So even though they've been playing better, even without Durant, I think there are question marks there. Sacramento yeah. and Memphis are really good all year long, but they're very young and they're very inexperienced come playoff time. I think that mm. could be a difference. I think it's easy to talk about the Lakers saying that they could do some damage in the play. they got to make it. What does that mean? Dam- winning a round or two. Winning two rounds, okay. I said right. winning, yeah, or two. Let's make, yeah. a, let's make a bet on it. That'll be fun. Right? I have an interesting stat about the oh, Lakers. Oh, hey, Tanner, everybody. I have, I have the interesting stat about the Lakers because you want to talk about a team that's been churning it on as of late. Since starting 2-10, and 10, the Lakers are 31-25. and 25, With In that same time, only three teams have a better record in that time period, being Denver, Memphis, and Sacramento. And alongside the trade deadline, they are 8-4 and four since then, acquiring guys like Jared Vanderbilt, uh, D'Angelo Russell, two guys that have been at least now that D'Angelo Russell's finally back from injury, he showed last night in that loss to, what, the four-seed Knicks in the East? He scores 33 points. Anthony Davis gets a solid 20 or 17, and he himself says he didn't do a great job last night. I think there's a chance, I agree with Gary here, that the Lakers could be something dangerous come playoff time. All right. Hey, coming up, we are going to talk Rainbow Baseball with Rich Hill. That is coming up next. Remember, call the coach. Tomorrow, Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii. Uh, Come on down as Coach talks about the past weekend and the upcoming match about Long Beach State. Your host with the most, Tiff Wells. We'll see you at 6.30 tomorrow at Ruby Tuesday from ESPN Honolulu. It is game night. Love the sound of game night. Anytime there's a University of Hawaii team in action. Baseball in action for the fourth game against UConn tonight at Les Murakami Stadium. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu is the coach of the Rainbow Warriors, Rich Hill, with us. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're not happy, obviously, with the one and two start to the series against UConn. But one thing I've noticed, at least from the first three games, the bats have not missed a beat at all. They are doing fantastic with some of the run production you've been getting you've been getting absolutely accentuating the positive you know uh the offense has been really good you know and the fact that you know hey we're getting punched in the nose right i mean on the mound and scoring runs and our guys are just punching back man just you know like jim harbaugh used to say we didn't flinch we came right back and punched you know (laughs) and uh I love that about our, our offense. It's a veteran group on that side of the ball, um, and they've done a great job. It's like it's like it's like Rocky Balboa in Rocky, the first Rocky, right? <laughs> Apollo Creed's punching in the face. He's coming back with the body blows. Boo, boo! Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm getting chicken skin. <laughs> right on, man. I love it. That that point when when Rocky's all bloodied up, man. He's in the corner and he looks mm-hmm. at Apollo and he goes, "Come on." Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. More, more. <laughs> Cut me, Mitch. Cut me. we are, man. Let's go. I don't care what you guys do to us on the pitching side of the deep. Hey, come on. Let's go, man. We were born with a sword in our hand. Let's roll. He's like Coach Dan Campbell from the Lions. I'm going to bite you in the knee. Bite your kneecaps. Let's go. Woo. 
Let's go, man. Rich Hill joining the animals that, here. <laughs> Rich Hill with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Also, when I look overall at the team throughout the start of the season before conference play starts, five starters batting over 300. Again, talking about the run production, three of them with three homers. Are you surprised at all with the home runs your team has hit with a total of 14 early on? Not really. You know, uh, like I said, we've got a veteran group, you know, led by uh, Matt Wong and Jacob Igawa. You know, those Mm. guys are in their early 20s, you know, and those are the teams that win in college baseball, you know, that that older uh, type of group. And you can you can do that now with the transfer portal and Mm. community college thing. So and with all this covid, you know, stuff that, uh, (laughs) that, yeah, (laughs) that happened, um, guys are older. So, you know, Matt Wong. Uh, Jacob Igawai, Jared Quant has been a surprise. Right. You know, this guy just kind of came out of nowhere and has done a great job. If 432 batting average, the guy has not slowed down, had the great start to the season, and really hasn't slowed down at all. Okay, Coach, so let's bring up the pitching. I imagine as excited as you are about the batting, probably the opposite, especially yesterday, 16 walks and four players hit by a pitch. Yeah, I asked the guy, they were interviewing me after the game. I, I didn't know. I mean, you know, I'm immersed in the whole thing, right? And, and I said, is that some kind of record? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's not the record you want, obviously, but uh, holy mackerel. Um, yeah, and, you know, it, it's – Coach Troop and I kind of broke some things down and debriefed after the game, and, and most of those, I don't know what percentage, uh, were on full count. Um, and that's – yeah, that's a concern. We just we're trying to stay away from three ball counts, you know, mm. and work ahead of the hitters and work quick, and uh, you know that's just that just didn't happen yesterday. And uh, you know, I mean, it's auditions, right? I mean, we're heading into conference play. Um, the game got away from us early, and it was time to get you know some of the freshmen in there, like Matt Flores and Kahiao Shank, local boy, and Cole Alexander, and. Uh, you know, some other guys that haven't uh, seen the mound a little bit. Uh, hey, when you wear the Hawaii uniform, that's very mm. prestigious, man. You know, and to go through all of our weight training and everything else, you know, you deserve that opportunity on test day. And however small it may be, uh, that's where, you know, that's where it happens. And uh, mm-hmm. it's what I told our guys after the game. I said, that's just like life, right? You know, you're going to have these moments, you know, <laughs> where opportunity meets the preparation. That's the magic moment, man. You know, so that's what I'm trying to give these guys. Who do you have starting tonight? Ben Ziegler Namoa from Nice. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's that perfect type of guy because mentally, you know, he's just so into it. You know, I mean, he's just uh, fiery, intense. And a guy that you love to uh, to end the series or start the series. So, you know, kind of an exciting two-position player, uh, left-handed pitcher. Uh, Connor Harrison's there, ready to go. Trevor Ichimura in the middle. And I really want to see Zach Losey. You know, he's the uh, transfer portal guy out of Ball State. I want to see him rebound, too. So, hey, we're stacked up. No excuses for tonight. Should be a, a, a great night. And the weather's perfect. Get out there, everybody. Right on. Definitely right going to see a lot of offense, yeah. hopefully, for Hawaii. It's going to be nice. Sorry, Gary. Yep. So, uh, with a guy like Ben Ziegler at Namoa today, I mean, are you planning, are you hoping for him to go five, six innings, or is it going to be one of those situations where you're hoping to get three innings out of a couple of different pitchers? 
You never know. It's kind of just a blank canvas. You know, I think, you know, twice through the order is, you know, like we're doing backflips. We're so happy if that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had, I've had got you, we've said that before, you know, and uh, they throw a complete game. So, you know, there's no uh, script, you know, uh, it's that don't save anything for the swim back mentality that our pitchers uh, need to have. We'll come and get you. We're, uh, we're okay. We've got guys ready to go on a Monday. I know you still have for tonight's game to you know focus on first, but Big West play will start this upcoming weekend with a road trip at Cal Poly. What have you seen out of the mm-hmm. Big West so far overall? Uh, much improved, um, incredible. You know, back you know one writer you know who I really uh, really respect, uh, former college baseball, so I said you know the Big West in baseball is the best uh, mid major. Um, program in any sport ever mm. and they're right you know wow. the midwest has been to omaha uh we've had multiple teams in omaha at the same time and it's back you know uh that's cal state fullerton you know beat texas two out of three uh long beach state going into the east carolina tournament and sweeping uc irvine is like i don't know 11 and 3 12 and 3 they swept arizona state on the road and then santa barbara is Santa Barbara, you know, so those programs, and then you got Northridge who is like nine and four, you know, and Davis and Riverside and San Diego are all, all better. So it's, it's a 180 from where it was last year. When you're now in mid-season form, you have these weekend series against Big West plays, uh, Big West opponents coming up. What is the focus on during practice during the week? Is it just based on the previous series or maybe something specific to your upcoming opponent? Well, the first misnomer of that, uh, Chris, is we are in mid-season form. <laughs> mm. We are in, we are a work in progress, man. And uh, the middle of the season, um, it, it just seems so far away, you know. So when you give up, you know, 16 walks and hit five guys and, and, you know, give up a total of, you know, over 30 runs in the last two games, it's like, bam, back to the drawing board. We got to crack rocks. So the practice <laughs> – you know, really, it, it, it goes at this point of the season, you know, when, when we're traveling a lot, um, when, when the focus is on the games, we don't play midweek. There's a lot of individual work. There's a lot of video uh, breakdown. There's a lot of individual meetings. And uh, trying to get things right from an individual perspective. And then we'll shorten our practices to about two hours, spend a lot of time in the weight room, spend a lot of time in the ice bath, and individual times with the infield coach, the hitting coach, the pitching coach. So we're ready to go uh, on game day. The 56-game season now is so compacted. You know, I mean, back mm-hmm. in the day with Les Murakami, we just had Coop Duran talk to our team, you know, and just talking about, you know, Whoa. they're playing 65 games and 70. You know, it's like hey, those days are just gone. Where They could start <laughs> mid-January. So you mentioned, just, you know, intense. That- yeah, that was yeah. I forgot about that. They used to play like seventy games back in like oh, the early nineties. It was crazy. Oh, bro, it was it, yeah, double headers every weekend, the whole thing. <laughs> that was awesome. You mentioned shortening the practices to two hours. How how are they normally? How long? Four hours. We'll go. You know, we have a four hour uh, day usually. You know, it caps. You know, the NCAA put that cap on there probably because of me. Uh, my days at San Diego, but uh, you know, you want to master your craft. It's going to take uh, it's going to take hours. You know, so much being made by Malcolm Gladwell and the ten thousand hours rule and everything else. 
Well, that's true, you know, and uh, we call it uh, carving grooves into your cerebellum. Purposeful practice, <laughs> a million reps. And Man. that's how you get better at any skill. Do you get orange slices or anything at the end of practice? Like, <laughs> come on. During. Yeah, okay. okay. It's like, hey, yeah, good yeah, news, we guys. Yeah, We're going to yeah. cut it. Sh- we're going to cut practice short. Three hours and 45 minutes today. Let's go. Hey, that's coach. Right, you coach, sign we up for this. You want to be a big leaguer, that's what it takes. Sure. Right on, man. Right on. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. Good luck tonight, folks. At the Les Murakami Stadium, weather calls for beautiful skies. Go on down and catch some good baseball. If you like run production, you'll see a lot of it uh, coming, I, I guess, again on both sides. Hopefully not that much on their side. No. Uh, than Hawaii's side. But, Coach, thank you very much. Uh, Mahalos, guys. Aloha and shoo-hoo. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. All right, Coach Rich Hill via the uh, hotline here on ESPN Honolulu. We, we need a sponsor for our hotline. That's what we need. It's 846 with the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. And the Mountain West Conference has a new commissioner. We'll discuss coming up next. Good morning. Hope you're having a great start to your week so far. It's the Animals in the Morning, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, or Gary Dickman and Chris Hart, depending if you're going Eva or if you're going uh, eastbound. John Sullivan has been named the new Mountain West Associate Commissioner of Football. Why did I think that we had a, a, a new commissioner in the Mountain West? We got a, sorry, false alarm. Uh, this just came over. Uh, Associate Commissioner of Football. I didn't know such a position existed. <laughs> that was my first reaction as well. I have not heard of that. Maybe that is a common thing. I don't believe the Mountain West had that before because we've never heard a name mentioned at all over the last several years for that position. I- my apologies to Gloria Navarez because she was just named recently the commissioner of the Mountain West. So, like, if you're, like, really into that kind of thing and you heard, the Mountain West has a new commissioner coming up next. Oh, uh, Sorry. <laughs> This thing just came in the email like 10 seconds before we went to break. But anyway, there you go. Sorry. False alarm. Boy that cried wolf. Hey, you know what? Uh, I went to the celebration of life yesterday for Jim Leahy over at St. Louis School. It was so awesome. It was just, it was really, it was beautiful. It was uh, Kanoa Leahy spoke and, uh, you know, lots of, of course, Kanoa's two sisters and uh, Jim's granddaughter I, it was it was fun because uh, I guess Kanoa was the favorite, right? He was the youngest. He was the b- only boy. And then he says, until that one came along. And he sounded just like his dad. And he was talking about, uh, I think her name is Malia, the granddaughter. And so it was like, until that one came along. So Jim Leahy was so proud of his granddaughter, drove her to school. And, you know, she told stories of them going get frozen yogurt together and things like that. And it was it was um, it was emotional at times, but at times it was an afternoon of laughter, and I think that's how Jim Leahy would have liked it. Uh, um, Artie Wilson was telling some fun stories of him and Jim on the road, and Pal Eldridge went up and talking about him and, hey, Pally, hey, Jimmy, you know, talking about their wiffle ball, 
legendary wiffle ball games. <laughs> wiffle ball. Um, the, let's see. Uh, um, gosh, there was Pal. Uh, Rick Blangiardi went up uh, talking about uh, their days starting together in radio and being a broadcast team for all those years. How that, um, you know, he's his Jim never trusted, never trust broadcast management. And I'm wondering if that came because he got fired so many times by Rick Blangiardi over the years. But it was just it was just beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. It ended with the, the band, uh, UH band, playing the fight song and then playing Hawaii Five O. And, um, you know, I, I imagine it's still such an emotional time for the family. But, you know, the, the send off they did was I've never seen anything like it. It was awesome. So. Anyway, we're gonna miss you, Jim Leahy, but um, he's still he's still with us all. I, you know, it's, it's, he's a guy who will live on forever, definitely in uh, our minds and our hearts. Yeah. And yeah, just listening to him over the years, getting to know him a little bit over the years, a great person, great stories, and uh, great admiration for a guy like that. I'm glad they were able to have that kind of a send off for him because he totally deserved it. I'm glad, glad it was a celebration of the life he lived. From what we observed, it was a great life. We're thankful for him. Yeah, and even even the, uh, Kanoa's oldest sister was talking about, you know, sometimes it was a challenge. You know, Dad <laughs> was a challenge. And Rick Blangiardi said our relationship was, I can't remember the word he used, but it was um, interesting, something like that. And everybody laughed because they were so close, yet they fought, and, and, and Jim had to fire him. Then he had to call and hire him back. And they told it, Kanoa told a story about Jim Leahy's um, f- job at KGMB. is that Joe Moore, I guess, was moving on. And um, Bob Seavey, for uh, old-timers who remember Bob Seavey, was the – Bob Seavey was the Walter Cronkite of Hawaii. And Bob Seavey offered Jim Leahy the job, and Jim was a school teacher, And he said, uh, you know what, no, thank you. I, you know, I, I, I love teaching school. You know, he was doing, I guess – sports part-time as an announcer but um and then he said uh well how about i double what you're making as a school teacher <laughs> and jim Leahy said no sorry it's you know and, and bob seavey told him that hey this is you know what you got to start thinking about your own kids rather than other people's kids and jim Leahy, jim Leahy said these are all my kids and so bob seavey said okay what if i've triple what you're making as a teacher and jim Leahy said what day do you want me to start <laughs> that was what it. a great story but i think if you remember jim Leahy the most is what a lot of people con- um, agreed upon is that jim Leahy is was a great storyteller yeah and you know he had a great vocabulary it's something that i'll remember and i bring up to you guys all the time it's Mililani, not Mililani. And they brought that up in there. I thought, oh, how perfect. How perfect. All right, that's it for us today. Uh, we will see you tomorrow morning here on ESPN Honolulu. Don't forget, tonight, Rainbow Baseball uh, starting off 6.35 p.m. here on ESPN Honolulu.